sacredheart.com. Thursday, the 14th of December. It's the Feast of St. John of the Cross. Let's pray the words of Psalm 145, which we'll hear at Mass today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I will extol you, O my God and King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his works. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. Let them make known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We got a video feed that you can watch either on the Sunrise Morning Show Facebook page or YouTube Live. You can find it directly in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been going through the Old Testament book by book with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow today. He has the unenviable task about squeezing this entire book called Proverbs, which is full of massive wisdom, into just a few minutes. But uh, he'll be doing that uh, after the news. Chris McGregor is going to talk about John of the Cross and a selection of his that recently appeared in the Office of Readings. Father Robert Nixon will talk about prudence through the eyes of St. Albert the Great. He has been talking about a work that he translated of St. Albert's, and prudence is something we could all use a lot more of. And then pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast is going to talk about something I think is close to many of our hearts right now, which is keeping your stress levels and your emotional balance in order as you go all over the place through Advent into Christmas. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Israel is keeping up its attacks on the Gaza Strip today, despite growing international calls to to reduce civilian deaths in the war against Hamas. U.N. officials say roughly 90 percent of the Gaza population has been displaced by the bombing and about a million people are facing starvation currently. Health officials in Gaza say more than 18,000 Palestinians have been killed since the conflict started on October 7th. In a statement yesterday, the Palestinian Health Ministry said that vaccinations for children are dwindling in Gaza and that running out of vaccines will have catastrophic repercussions on the spread of disease. Pope Francis has granted a new interview to a Mexican journalist in which he discussed his desired burial place, upcoming possible journeys, and his health. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells has more. In an interview granted to veteran journalist Valentina Alazraki, Pope Francis said he's feeling better after a bout of bronchitis, but also asked for continued prayer for his health. 
With his 87th birthday just a few days away, the Pope said it's important to accept the gifts of old age. At the same time, the Pope repeated that he has no plans to retire, although he said he has the example of Pope Benedict, who had the courage and humility to say enough when he could no longer continue as Pope. In his interview on Tuesday, the Holy Father spoke about his very close relationship with his predecessor and said it was a great grace to be able to bid farewell to the Pope Emeritus before the latter's death at the end of 2022. Pope Francis noted that Benedict's funeral was the occasion of changes and simplifications of the liturgical rites for the funeral of pontiffs, and he revealed in the interview that he himself plans to be buried in the Papal Basilica of St. Mary Major, a testament to his devotion to the Blessed Mother. Finally, the Pope spoke about the possibility of upcoming papal journeys, although an early December visit to Dubai for COP28 was cancelled due to health concerns, the Pope said he desires to take several trips in the coming years. The first to Belgium is safe, the Pope said, while hoped-for visits to Polynesia and Argentina are pending. We'll see how things go, the Pope added. I'm Christopher Wells. Today is the 11th anniversary of the murders of 20 first graders and six educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. There are no public events planned in the town today to mark the anniversary, but an interfaith remembrance for residents is being held tonight at the Trinity Episcopal Church. Most of the classmates of the Sandy Hook first graders killed that morning in 2012 are now seniors in high school. House Republicans have voted to authorize an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Republicans argued the president benefited from the foreign business dealings of his son, Hunter Biden. The president has always maintained that he had nothing to do with his son's business. An impeachment inquiry is a step toward potential impeachment. It allows the House to hold public hearings and grants subpoena power for information and documents. More than half of Americans earning more than $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. Trey Thomas reports. That's according to a Lending Club report. Many experts point to a phenomenon called lifestyle inflation as one of the culprits. That's when the pattern of spending increases as a person's income increases. Many Americans say their incomes have not been keeping up with rising living costs. I'm Trey Thomas. Whole milk could soon be headed back to school lunchrooms. House lawmakers yesterday overwhelmingly voted for the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act, which would allow the National School Lunch Program to serve whole milk. Whole milk was phased out more than a decade ago as part of a push by then-First Lady Michelle Obama to combat childhood obesity, leaving only low-fat options. The measure now heads to the Senate. And Christmas music from days gone by is dominating the Billboard charts once again this week. Not only is Brenda Lee at number one for the second straight week with Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, but all of the top four and six of the top eight are Christmas songs. The likes of Jose Feliciano, Dean Martin, and the Ronettes are all in the top 15. Nat King Cole has two classics in the top 25 with the Christmas song at number 14 and Deck the Halls at 23. Elvis is also in the mix with Blue Christmas coming in at number 24.
So I was in the airport a little bit over the weekend. And how much Christmas music did you? It was all Christmas music, of course. But you know, you if you're think, in the airport for sorry. Do you think that grocery stores are like the driver of the Billboard charts? Maybe I, not I don't know because. Who it is. They've they play music that like speaks to me now, and I'm, I'm realizing I am the consumer group that you're the target audience. There, I'm the target audience in the grocery store. Mom of four, my, my razzled. S- <laughs> but my my music doesn't make the Billboard top charts, so maybe they don't count grocery yeah, store plays. So you know, I heard uh, I heard lots of Christmas music in and out of airports and and that sort of thing over the week. But I mm-hmm. feel like it was the same four songs and then a bunch of covers of those same four songs. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm surprised. I feel like Mariah there are 500 Carey's covers of Last Christmas by Wham. There've got to be. Oh yeah, and, and I don't understand tons. why that's such a. Yeah, that one's a bad one. The other, uh, I mean. Merry Christmas War is Over by John Lennon. That's pretty my terrible. favorite. There's 5,000 covers of that. I love Merry Christmas War is Over. Are you kidding me? And normally I would say that I dislike a oh, Lennon tune more than I dislike a McCartney tune, but simply oh, having a wonderful Christmas time. Don't turn off my time, microphone. I love that one, too. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time is a crime against music, Anna Mitchell. No, I love that song. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Charles Wesley and Hark the Herald Angels sing any day. Okay. That's where I well, am I mean, I'm into those too, but and so I've broken Annie's Beatles loving hearts. I love the Beatles. I'm so sorry. No matter what their worldview is, I love their music. Worldviews are. They're a. They're a. You know. They're a. What? A, they're a AI generated. <laughs> Today is Thursday, December the fourteenth. Most importantly, the Feast of St. John of the Cross. Pray for us. More on a uh, writing from him coming up with Chris McGregor in just a little bit here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Right now, it's nine past. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We have been using... A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can get a copy for yourself. Study along with us at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And we're back this morning with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, one of the contributors to this guide. Good morning, Dr. Morrow. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. Excited to get to talk to you again. We're getting a primer on the book of Proverbs today. And this, the guide tells us, is a primer itself on living the good life. So can you talk about Proverbs as being the the foundational wisdom book? What does that mean? Well, that's a great question. I think it's foundational in the sense of when you think of wisdom literature, this is really exactly what it's supposed to be, a kind of a guide for how to live. And this is the same in other non-Israelite, non-biblical traditions in the sense of you can have wisdom texts that are trying to give you to be a guide for life. So when we think about what's in the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, books like Job, Proverbs, Psalms, they don't all easily fall into that category the way that Proverbs does. But the most the most important part, I think, though, is to understand the way in which Proverbs, in a sense, teaches the law of God in a way that's accessible to non-Israelites, in a way that in a way that Gentiles might understand. Yeah, that is so interesting. You you have in the guide here kind of a side-by-side comparison 
in in how uh, the law and how particular it was to Israel and how universal how 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 proverbs can can sort of universally apply that law. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's the big contrast, right? Is the law of Moses, in some ways, is intended to help separate the people, Israel, from the rest of the nations, and it's to help teach them to follow God. So they have to be separate and other. And the focus with the Davidic covenant, so David and then Solomon, which is where the majority of the wisdom literature is attributed to, is then universalizes it. It's now the idea is now we need to bring in the nations. We need to bring them in to worship the one God of Israel. And that's key, I think, of Solomon's reign. Um, the temple, when he built it, the largest portion is built with Gentiles in mind. And I think the book of Proverbs is like that. So we know that the nations came to Israel to learn the wisdom of God from Solomon. Mm. And so this book of Proverbs is largely attributed to King Solomon, but apparently he's not the only one who wrote some of these words of wisdom, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, there's uh, there's, these two obscure figures. We're not exactly sure who they are. There's Agur and then Lemuel. And um, it's not clear. The rabbis argue that Lemuel was probably just another name for Solomon. I don't think so. Hmm. It's possible. But it seems like these were kings of Masoth, either northern Arabia or southern Syria. Uh, It's not exactly sure who who they were, but during the reign of Hezekiah, uh, they were kind of collected together with Solomon's Proverbs. And in my opinion, that actually lends to the case of historicity, because a lot of scholars will doubt the authorship and the attribution of these texts. Uh, and that's for most texts. But to me, you know, why then attribute this? They don't even attribute all of this that is Solomonic to him himself. If you look at Proverbs 25 to 29, it says that these were compiled from Solomon, but during the reign of Hezekiah. Mm. And then you have these obscure figures, Agur and Lemuel, who probably are not even Israelites. <laughs> and yet the Spirit of God inspires them, and they are collected together in the sacred scriptures. And to me, that attests to its historicity. Yeah, and can you talk about the, the I guess, the, the, the literary types that are found in the book of Proverbs? And give us a little outline of, of how this book is structured. Sure, sure thing. So the uh, I would say the majority of what you're finding here are these kind of proverbial sayings, and that's important because this is not mostly, this is not historical narrative, it's not, uh, but it's there's these poetic, proverbial, wise sayings. So you, you basically, you can structure it in different ways. I don't have the text in front of me, but how I would understand it at the beginning, I would kind of, off the top of my head, look at it in kind of uh, uh, seven different kind of sections. So you have two sets of Proverbs of Solomon. So that takes us roughly through chapter, part of chapter 22. So the first 22 Proverbs, if you will, right. are attributed to Solomon. Okay. Then you have these kind of anonymous words of the wise. There's two sets there as well. Um, those are also typically in the tradition attributed to Solomon, but less explicitly. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's more that are attributed to Solomon, but they're from the time of Hezekiah. I mean, it actually says that these are com- compiled during Hezekiah's reign, king of Judah. And that, that's the last couple, like 25 to 29, roughly. And, that's when, and then after that, you have these add-ons from these probably non-Israelite kings, Agur and Lemuel. And that's what ends... Right, Proverbs thirty and Proverbs thirty-one. I love that there's stuff compiled from Hezekiah. I mean, knowing his story and trying yeah. to return 
to what the kingship was supposed to be, it, it seems fitting that they would be compiling the wisdom of Solomon in that I way. agree. I agree, although at the same time, if you were making this up, you probably would not do that. You would yeah. probably just say Solomon took his pen out and wrote all this. Exactly. So I think that's uh, helpful. Exactly. Now, um, just quickly, because we are uh, running out of time here, but... Um, you have Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Can you talk about them before we let you go here, Dr. Morrow? Sure. I mean, I think Lady Wisdom is right, the personifi- personification, both of the Holy Spirit and then Our Lady. Mm. And I think a lot of times when you see wisdom in the Old Testament, there's, it's hints at the Holy Spirit, the role of God as Holy Spirit, and then it becomes an archetype of, uh, of Our Lady. And, of course, the opposite, uh, not being faithful, not being docile to the Lord would be folly. Yeah. Well, I wish we had more time because there's so much more that we could talk about with the book of Proverbs. But that's all the more reason to go pick up your own copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament that you can find through Ascension Press. Dr. Morrow, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. The pleasure was all mine. All right. We are back right after this with headlines. It's 16 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. The Christmas Means Life campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiilifecenter.org. That's jpiilifecenter.org. Because Christmas means life. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Israel is keeping up its attacks on the Gaza Strip today despite growing international calls to reduce civilian deaths in the war against Hamas. The Holy See today has released the Pope's message for the January 1st World Day of Peace under the theme Artificial Intelligence and Peace. And Pope Francis just granted an interview to a Mexican journalist in which he revealed he intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. That's actually not surprising to me. Not at all. 
Not surprising. This is like his big stop before and after all his major papal yep. trips. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, there are other popes buried there. Yeah, but um, I was reading a Catholic news agency story. I don't have it up here on screen. Maybe I can pull it up here quickly. Um, the last pope to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major was like buried there in the 1600s, I think. Oh, wow. I think. Hang on. Huh. I got to find that. Yeah, that, but, that would be I mean, uh, most of them but have so... been buried, of course, in the Vatican Basilica. So at St. Peter's, at the Saint last Peter's. pope to be not buried at St. Peter's, I believe, was Leo the Thirteenth, who's buried at St. John Lateran. I really hope I have the, these facts right. I read the story last night, and I was going to pull it up to um, see. This is a Brennan Hodge job. He needs to do a statistical analysis on where which popes of, are oh, buried, okay. where. Well, I'll give him what that assignment. What percentage of popes, what place has the, well, I mean, obviously I think St. Peter's would have the highest percentage of popes. But what are the next, like, top three places? Yeah, it's a good call. Well, I'll see what I can find out. I, of course, I can't find the story right away on Catholic no, but, News Agency. But um, it is a fascinating Very thing interesting stuff, yeah. Where are all the popes buried? Where? That'd be a fun one. That'd be a fun prize. We got to get Brendan on that job. Okay. I don't know. I'll I mean, give him that assignment. Assign- we're I... not his assignment desk, but. Oh, sometimes we are. I just okay, tell then. him. Like the advent candle conversation, He's I asked him to do that research for me. Thanks, Brendan. I know, right? If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. Tim Maley here, general manager at Shock Tile and Carpet. Shock is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio and local food pantries. A portion of every retail sale will help feed those in need. Or drop items off at our newly remodeled showroom and we will deliver. Family owned and operated since 1928, Shock hopes this season is filled with many blessings to you and yours. Residential, commercial, new home construction, 513-922-3466 or shocktile.com. That's S-C-H-O-C-H tile.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. At BrosartPharmacy.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one. TheAbrasiveOne.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Chris, good morning. Enjoying my Mystic Monk coffee, oh, the nice. special Christmas blend in my my sunrise 
coffee cup. That's awesome, especially as we celebrate and talk about a selection from the mystical doctor of the church. This week's selection from the Office of Readings for the December 14th Feast of St. John of the Cross. What would you like us to know about him? Well, he is an exceptional man. During that time in the 1500s when other men were sailing in their ships and mapping the world, St. John of the Cross was mapping the interior life. He was showing us how to ascend Mount Carmel, the ascent to Mount Carmel in our prayer. And what you would see in his map is that it actually is a mountain that turns deeply within us, where Christ dwells within us. And he has led so many of the great saints that we know. Uh, Chief among them is a little one, a little flower who taught us the little way of attaining all the things that St. John of the Cross talks about in this particular uh, office of reading. The little one who took her name from uh, John of the Cross's uh, spiritual daughter, yes? That's right. That's right. When we talk about the little flower, we talk about St. Therese. There's all those Thereses, aren't there? Yeah. The great Carmelites. But the, 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 the mama of them all is Teresa of Avila, his great friend and companion in the reform of the discalled Carmelites. And they uh, have shown us incredible ways to, to cleave into the mysteries that await us, especially for those who have been baptized in Christ and know that he is now in us. Yeah. And John of the Cross telling us to dig deeply in Christ in this selection. You know, people probably know him best for the dark night of the soul. But this selection coming from his spiritual canticle, can you tell us about that just quickly? Well, the spiritual canticles were, he's probably considered actually one of the great poets of Western literature, St. John of the Cross. And the spiritual canticle was actually this incredible mystical poem that he wrote. And then he wrote uh, to accompany that to help people understand it because it was so deep, the, uh, the accompaniment that comes with it. And that's essentially what this is. It helps people to understand the mysteries that he's cleaving in that, those great works of art, which are his poems. Oh, okay. So this is an explainer for the spiritual canticle. Is that right? That's, that's correct. Okay, and, got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. And we need that, don't we? I mean, oh there's oftentimes gosh, I read Chesterton I? and I need some help. Oh, <laughs> man. I mean, yeah, like, exactly. I totally feel you. I totally feel you. So let's take a look at what he has to say here. Um, you know, we talk about this idea of spiritual training, right? And and mm-hmm. And that's kind of what he's getting at. In, in this particular selection, but what is the first step to spiritual training? Entering into suffering, he says, the soul that longs for divine wisdom chooses first and in truth to enter the thicket of the cross. Heavy stuff. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it's very intimidating. And of course, we don't want to suffer. We that would not that would be pathologically not a good thing. We don't want to suffer, but if in God's providential will there are moments where we are having to endure suffering, we do that by you know embracing the cross. I you know I brought up a, a, the little flower Therese in her the little ways. Suffering is not always the the monumental that suffering that may come into our lives through a you know a serious illness or 
um, something that is really crushing. And oftentimes it comes in the little things. It's the little, the thousand little pinpricks. It's getting up to take care of the baby in the middle of the night. It's taking care of the parent who is enduring, say, something of a dementia or Alzheimer's being there. It's sometimes the, you know, dealing with coworkers who are absolutely awful to deal with. And yet going in there and suffering in that in love. And that, those are the kinds of little things that uh, he will say, you, you, this is the cross. This is where God has placed you on the timeline of history in this location. This is your moment to be Christ in the world and to endure that suffering that may be transformative, allows him to enter into it and transform maybe the hearts and ultimately the world. I love that idea of the little pinpricks that you say. And, and he writes, you know, the soul cannot enter into these treasures nor attain them unless it first crosses into and enters the thicket of suffering, enduring interior and exterior labors, and unless it first receives from God many, very many blessings in the intellectual and in the senses and has undergone long spiritual training. All these are lesser things disposing the soul for the lofty sanctuary of the knowledge of the mysteries of Christ. This is the highest wisdom attainable in this life. You know, oftentimes I think, Chris, we we expect that, you know, oh, I'm just going to sit here and close my eyes and God's just going to infuse me with the knowledge. And maybe that happens for some people, but it is. It's those little pinpricks and enduring through them and, and suffering them joyfully that brings mm-hmm. us to that that highest wisdom attainable in this life. Yeah, part of that suffering is letting go of our sin. Those things that we run to and cleave to because we don't want to suffer. Because we don't want to, it, it, it's the suffering that comes from, I, I, I feel alone, I'm afraid, there's something going on, so I'm going to run to the refrigerator. Or I'm going to get on the computer and I'm going to go to a website that is going to give me a momentary uh, amount of pleasure in whatever way that is, but it won't solve the problem that's deeper that I need to go with Christ into to allow him to heal me. You're and sorry. so that is the, 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 at its essence, those, those little sufferings. And sometimes, Anna, you know this, it's a suffering of waiting yeah. to, to wait on God and, and for him to be able to make his moments, all these moments. But if we can endure that and embrace the cross, um, John of the Cross's message gets through to us. You can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Beautiful thoughts from Chris McGregor. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. Have a beautiful day. You do the same. Thank you so much. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case involving the most widely used abortion pill. A lawsuit challenges the legality of mifepristone. Earlier this year, a federal judge in Texas had issued a ruling that suspended the FDA approval. It was later narrowed by the Fifth Circuit and will now be taken up by the high court. The fighting between Israel and Hamas is raging on in the Gaza Strip. Mark Mayfield reports. This comes after Israel started pumping sea... Try that again. This comes after Israel started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the region that's being used by the Palestinian militant group. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. 
Meanwhile, the United Nations General Assembly voted on Tuesday to demand a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza as only 10 countries voted against the resolution, including Israel and the U.S. Israel faces growing international pressure due to its military campaign, with President Biden saying that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has to change. I'm Mark Mayfield. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. He said, quote, I encourage all parties involved to resume negotiations and call on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. He said, let all hostages who had seen hope in the truce a few days ago be freed immediately so that this great suffering for Israelis and Palestinians might come to an end. He said, please, no to weapons, yes to peace. In his general audience catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father concluded his series on apostolic zeal. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The Pope began the catechesis by inviting the faithful to reflect on the rite of the effata performed during the sacrament of baptism. He recorded that this rite comes from Jesus' miraculous healing of a deaf and dumb man in Galilee. Pope Francis noted that, as recounted by Mark's Gospel, the miracle was accomplished in territories then predominantly inhabited by pagans, not Jews. This, the Pope said, shows us that Jesus is able to open the ears and the mouths of those who can't hear or speak, where deafness and muteness in the Bible signify metaphorically closing to God's call. Pope Francis then drew attention to another indicative sign in that episode, the decisive word Ephatah, Jesus uttered, which in Aramaic means to be opened. That word, he explained, is an invitation addressed not only to the deaf and dumb, but specifically to his disciples of that time and of all times. The Pope went on to note that this should also make us reflect on our attitude as Christians. Cristiano deve essere aperto alla parola di Dio e al servizio degli altri. A Christian, he said, must be open to the word of God and to serving others. Closed Christians always end up badly because they are not Christians. They are ideologues of closure, he added, recalling that even at the end of the Gospels, Jesus entrusts us with his missionary desire to proclaim Jesus and ask the grace to bring a pastoral and missionary conversion. I am Lisa Zingarini. Pope Francis intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. The Holy Father said so in a new interview this week granted to a Mexican journalist. The Catholic News Agency reports the last pope to have been buried in St. Mary Major was Clement IX, who died in 1669. The last pope to be buried outside St. Peter's Basilica at all was Pope Leo XIII, who was buried in the Basilica of St. John Lateran in 1903. Pope Francis turns 87 on Sunday. The Holy See today has released the Pope's message for the January 1st World Day of Peace under the theme of artificial intelligence and peace. He said in the message, quote, it is my prayer at the start of the new year that the rapid development of forms of artificial intelligence will not increase cases of inequality and injustice all too present in today's world but will help put an end to wars and conflicts and alleviate many forms of suffering that afflict our human family. May Christian believers, followers of various religions, and men and women of goodwill work together in harmony to embrace the opportunities and confront the challenges posed by the digital revolution. It's 35 past the hour.
Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from JC Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro family, pro life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. John of the Cross, Thursday, December the 14th. And your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Getting warmer today. Right now, it's pretty cold, though, with temperatures in the lower 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, sunny and milder today with a high of 49 degrees. Clear tonight with an overnight low of 29. Mostly sunny to partly sunny tomorrow and a high of 53 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 48 degrees. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low of 26 Sunny with a few late-day clouds tomorrow and high of 54 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Make an end-of-the-year donation at sacredheartradio.com. And thanks. Thirty-seven minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell, coming to you from the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. We're waiting to get Father Robert Nixon on the line here, but want to encourage you to go check out our video feed at sunrisemorningshow.com. Fairly new media channel that you can find and hopefully enjoy. I mean, I'm always interested to see what Matt Swaim is wearing every day, you know, his wardrobe choices. So you go to YouTube or you go to Facebook Live and uh, search for the Sunrise Morning Show. You can find it right there. You can also find it in our show notes every day, which is just a wealth of information for you. Um, that's where you can find links to all of our guests. It's also where you can find our podcast after the fact. Uh, if there's an interview you want to revisit or share with somebody, you can find markers that will indicate where each interview begins. And you just click on that and then click on the timestamp button and then click share and email it off to all of your friends and uh, they can enjoy it as well. So sonrisemorningshow.com. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Robert Nixon. He's a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia. He's translator of the Tan Resurrection series. The latest one we've been discussing is The Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great. Father, good morning. Good morning, Annie. It's great to be with you. I'm sorry. Good evening, Father. (laughs) 
<laughs> or is yeah, it good night there? What time is it where you are? Here. Yeah. <laughs> so the virtue that we are discussing today from St. Albert is the virtue of prudence. How does he explain this one? So he talks about prudence as being um, mindfulness of the glories of the divine nature and an awareness of the wretchedness and limitations of our own mortal condition. Um, so I think this really, basically, to put it in contemporary terms, prudence for St Albert is being grounded in recognising just who and what we are, the limitations of our abilities and our capacities and so forth, and at the same time being aware of the infiniteness of the power and glory of God. And how does he discuss how we can distinguish between true and false prudence? So um, there's kind of true prudence and false prudence. So true prudence is to order our thoughts in such a way that they're always directed to God. So he says to ensure that they do not wander from God and what is rightly ordered to God. This means that our attachments and affections should not become ensnared by created things and that our will should not be diverted from what is pleasing to God and that our intentions do not become confused and polluted but are purified and that our judgments and speculations are conducive to what is genuinely good. In other words, that everything we do in our life should be focused towards God, should be with an orientation towards God. And this isn't only our, our prayer and worship, but it's our work and our daily life and whatever we do, that we do all of it with a mindfulness of God. He gives, though, a contrast of false prudence, and this is he gives um, people laboring to know the courses of stars, the power of herbs, the property of gemstones, and so forth, for the sake of worldly prestige or profit. And um, those are all kind of medieval things, but I guess have their own modern equivalents, where people yeah. try to, to accumulate knowledge and think, well, how can I advance myself? How can I, you know, achieve my own personal promotion in this world in a way which is independent of God? Yeah, as he writes here, there are many who are diligent in investigating vain and pointless matters and making new discoveries, but remain completely blind as to the will of God. Amazing that this, when does he write? He's in like, what, the 1500s? Is that right, Father? Yes. That <laughs> is I, I, unbelievable. I, um, well, a little bit earlier than that, wow. actually in the 1300s, but... You know, I think this is so true in, in the contemporary world. There are people who have to know about everything that's going on, um, every, every thought, every idea, every action that takes place, but they don't think about where is God in all of this. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we need to be careful about, I mean, there's nothing wrong in, in remaining up to date with what's going on in the world and so forth, but it should never be an end in itself. It always has to be directed towards thinking, what are we here doing? What does God want us to do with our lives? And, you know, this is particularly poignant coming from a man like St. Albert the Great, who certainly, 
labored to know the courses of the stars and the power of herbs and the properties of gemstones and so forth, um, and yet understood yeah. where this knowledge comes from and, and to whom it is serving. Absolutely. So he actually wrote on, on all of those subjects quite extensively and was recognized as an expert at his time. But um, at the same time, he points out that these things are not an end in themselves. We need to keep our, our minds and our, um, our knowledge focused always on God. And if we fulfill the will of God, nothing else matters. And everything else we learn or we know should be directed towards putting into practice what God wills us to do. He's got some beautiful practical advice that he he quotes St. Bernard on this, saying, consider carefully your daily actions and conduct. Think about where you have succeeded or made progress and where you have failed or struggled. What are your habits and what are your thoughts and feelings? Are they similar to those of God or unlike him? I was thinking, oh, man, Father, this is this. I don't know how good I am at this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that uh, that applies pretty much to every every person on earth. You know, we look at what we do in our own daily lives, and, and we realize how many distractions and and so forth that we become engaged in. And this applies also for monks. I mean, we're living a a devoted religious life, but there are still distractions and and those kind of things which creep in. To, to make sure that our primary orientation is always towards God. And that in this focus on God, that's where our true prudence, our true wisdom is to be found. Well, Father, to conclude our conversation today, can you share with us some of Albert's prayer for prudence? Absolutely. So he says, may I know you, O Lord, and may I know myself. May I frequently meditate on those good and bad things which will remain with me after the end of this difficult but short mortal life. May I mindfully distinguish between the things of which you approve and love and those which you dis which displease you. And may I flee whatever tends to separate my soul from you, but cling to whatever brings me into closer union with your blessedness. O Lord, bestow upon all my thoughts and feelings and upon my will, intentions, judgments, words and works. Direct all of these rightly, that is to say, towards yourself. For you are the beginning, the centre and the end of all things. And in you, O Lord, rests the sum total of all my happiness. Amen. Amen. We've been talking to Father Robert Nixon and you can read more about the virtue of prudence and many others. In fact, there are 42 virtues in this book, The Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Thank you, Annie, and God bless you and all your listeners this day. Thank you so much, Father, you as well. All right, it's 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast, joins us next. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? 
Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. For 150 years, the Komboni missionaries have followed in the footsteps of their founders and Daniel Komboni. We are an active missionary group sharing our deep faith in God through service to the poorest and most abandoned people around the world, satisfying both the physical and spiritual needs of the people in our mission. Please support our mission work with a generous year-end gift today. Thank you for your prayers and kindness. Give today at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN Radio is seeking an assistant to the operations manager in overseeing broadcast content in Radio Master Control. This candidate will ensure delivery of our Catholic audio programming while actively monitoring the on-air signals of a number of automated and live playout systems. If this is you or someone you know, email a resume and cover letter, including salary requirements, to humanresources at EWTN.com and be a part of Mother Angelica's mission of evangelization. Dr. David Anders here. Where is purgatory in the Bible? Why confess my sins to a priest? Find out more today at 2 p.m. Eastern on Call to Communion. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case involving the most widely used abortion pill, Mifepristone. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis concluded his series on apostolic zeal. And the Holy Father has revealed in a new interview this week that he intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, a licensed counselor with lots of experience in... Uh, the private practice world, but also the seminary classroom. Kevin, good morning. Matt, good morning. All right, so this is one that people are going to want to get out a pen and some paper for. (laughs) We're talking today about keeping our emotional balance over the holiday stretch that we're about to go through. And uh, you've got about three stages to discuss with us today. So where are we headed with this? Yeah, yeah, great. So the the theme here would be how do I not lose my mind between now and January, right? <laughs> so, and there's a lot of things that could happen. So the the three that I had, Matt, were prepare, uh, watch the patterns in my family, and then try to find some peace and give peace to my family and the other people that I encounter in the next couple of weeks. So the preparation part, I think it's it's always good uh, before we, you know, go on a journey to see our family or invite people over or have a big gathering and we're in this crazy time, especially if we have young kids and we're trying to please everybody, just to sit down and take a moment in prayer. And it doesn't have to be long, but maybe we don't do that. I know I don't do that enough is, you know, God, what do you want me to do differently this year 
during the Christmas season? How can I be constructive, useful? How can I add to the occasion? So I can let my mind go back to the last couple of holiday seasons and see, well, maybe I didn't do so well or I was impatient. People got under my skin. And I think one that we could bring to the Lord right away, but because in every family, I don't really believe the thing that every family is dysfunctional, but every family is imperfect. And there's probably one person in our clan uh, that gets under my skin or pushes my button. So that would be something I could ask for the grace from our Lord to respond better to that person to be more of a grown-up, be more mature. So I think that preparation is really a, a key spiritual step. The other one, the second P there, Matt, after preparation would be the patterns in my family. So from family therapy, we, we know that uh, people get into fixed little interactions with each other, these feedback loops, and we get into roles and uh, that, that can become very dug in. So if we're the oldest child, we're taking care of everybody else. Maybe we're the youngest one or the neglected one. We're not the favorite. We are the favorite. Uh, there's there's things that go on over a long period of time. And so we can, you know, watch what those those patterns are and say, maybe this year I can do something different that I do, you know, with grace and some effort. I can break those habits of relationships and make them more constructive. So, for for example, um, you know, one constructive way that I could do, you know, one of our great uh, family therapists, Murray Bowen, used to say one-on-one interactions and dialogue and conversation are important. So I can find maybe the oldest person in my family, some of the seniors. And maybe I've never sat down and just said, just tell me some stories about your growing up in the family, right? So that's can be something we can pass on in the family. Uh, maybe there's somebody that I don't care for that much, but I could just have a little bit of a conversation and, again, just show some curiosity and interest in their life and not not be hard. Uh, on, the, on the flip side of that, Matt, this deal about boundaries, I think it's overdone in our culture right now. So I've even heard of other therapists telling, you know, clients that I've seen later that maybe that maybe Christmas would be a good time to put it all out on the table, just, uh, you know, empty it all out, confront Uncle Jake, you know, for his bad behavior, his drinking. That sounds like the worst his... idea of all time, Kevin. <laughs> well, people no, have done that. And, I, yeah, I would really discourage people from doing that. And that's I haven't that seen, you know, good? Uncle Bob for six years. Now's the time to tell him everything I think about him. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's really we need discretion. We need prudence. Uh, we need to talk with somebody. I think that's a good one to talk over with our confessor or a therapist or uh, some kind of spiritual guide to see, you know, what do I do? You know, sometimes the best thing is just leave it alone, but I can have boundaries. Like there may be people in my family that smoke and drink and act crazy. And maybe I decide I'm only going to stay there for a certain period of time, or maybe I'm not going to stay there when I visit. I'm going to go to a hotel. Now, of course, people are going to get mad at me because I'm staying in a hotel rather than with them. But maybe I got to figure out, I got to ask God to guide my thinking. What can I handle without leaving the visit being resentful and all torn up inside. Yeah. So again, prayer is really important. And the last one, Matt, <clears throat> would be to find some peace. How can I be, how can I have some inner peace when the holidays are over? But also, are there people that I need to reconcile with? I think at this time of year, there are many of us who have lost people, and maybe this is the first holiday season, you know, after their passing. And a lot of times we have regrets that I wish I had one more conversation. And I've had clients who fortunately, you know, thought about that ahead of time and 
you know, sat down with dad or mom or a brother with whom they had had some real problems over the years and maybe a cutoff or a break in the relationship. And they were able to reconcile and say some things and forgive and ask for forgiveness before the person was gone. So to think about that, life is precious. You know, we don't know if this is going to be the last time we see uh, this person in our family or a friend. And so, uh, you know, what I don't want to I don't want to have regrets. That's a good way to put it is one way to have re- have peace is to reduce the number of regrets as, as low as possible. And I'll leave you with this quote, Matt. Annie liked that. And that's one of my favorites. Uh, Robert Frost has a great poem where, you know, and he's talking about imperfect families. So, so the last line of the poem is home is where. When you have to go there, they have to take you in, right? <laughs> so even though they don't like you, generally, you know, the family, I mean, that's not always the case, but most of the time it is that home is where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. So there's gratitude. I think that's the other one to carry an attitude of gratitude into the holidays and say they're imperfect, but I'm imperfect too. And I've got a lot from my family. What are the graces and the blessings that this imperfect family has given me? And how do I need to repay that in some loving action and words? Preparations, patterns, and peace. Three great P's to keep in mind uh, as you head into these gatherings. I can't help but think, too, about some of the things that... You know, Pope Francis said about the importance of family life. You know, we yeah. self-select our circles of only people who are exactly like us all the time. But God put us in uh-huh. families. Yeah, <laughs> He put us in yeah, families for uh, some reason, right? For There's some a purpose reason. there, and we got to yeah. figure out, you know, how to love people who don't think like us. Yep, 100 percent of the time. Kevin, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Matt, you too. Have a great day. Bye bye. All right, we got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up on many of these EWTN radio affiliates. And you can find Kevin and all our guests at sunrisemorningshow.com. In the meantime, stay tuned. We're back right after this. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. Stephen Gabriel will discuss his book, Put Out into the Deep. Dr. Jennifer Roback-Morris will share the latest news from the Ruth Institute. I will reflect on the Feast of St. John of the Cross, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Driving home the faith. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number. 
844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bright Lights. St. Teresa in Bright, Indiana is hosting a free drive through Christmas light display every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 6 to 10 p.m., now through January 6th. More information at brightlightsindiana.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at hoting.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. This is Father Michael Mary Dosh from St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. It is Thursday, the 14th of December, the Feast of St. John of the Cross. Let's pray through his intercession in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Almighty Father, you endowed John of the Cross with the spirit of self-denial and a love of the cross. By following his example, may we come to the eternal vision of your glory. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. We are glad that you are with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We've got uh, a video stream up at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. You can see us on Facebook. You can uh, figure out, I don't know, what Paul Lockman's up to. Anna Mitchell will have news. I'm Matt Swain. We're all here today. We're all in action. But we've got more people than us. Dr. John Bergsma is going to be along to talk about Ephesians and uh, how it shows forth the love between Christ and his church and what St. Paul has to say about that. Rita Heikenfeld from uh, AboutEating.com has been coming up with some great ideas for handmade gifts to give. She's going to talk about the Magi and their gifts, but then she's going to talk about some uh, – she's got like a hot fudge in a jar recipe 
that you can get. I mean, like, this is the kind of stuff that we want Rita around for this time of year. Uh, Gary Machuda continues our series on why we can trust the reliability of the gospel accounts. And then Courtney Brown with more ideas about how to instill the principles of theology of the body in elementary school students. So stay with us if you can. Two minutes past, here's Anna Mitchell with news. It's a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. Israel is keeping up its attacks on the Gaza Strip today despite growing international calls to reduce civilian deaths in the war against Hamas. U.N. officials say roughly 90 percent of the Gaza population has been displaced by relentless bombing and about a million people are facing starvation. Health officials in Gaza say more than 18,000 Palestinians have been killed since the conflict started October 7th. In a statement yesterday, the Palestinian Health Ministry said vaccinations for children are dwindling in Gaza and that running out of vaccines will have catastrophic repercussions on the spread of diseases. In Washington, the Supreme Court will take up a case involving the most widely used abortion pill. A lawsuit has challenged the legality of mifepristone. Earlier this year, a federal judge in Texas had issued a ruling that suspended the FDA approval. It was later narrowed by the Fifth Circuit, and now the high court will take up the matter. Pope Francis has given an interview with to a Mexican journalist about possible upcoming journeys, his desired burial place, and his health. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells has more. In an interview granted to veteran journalist Valentina Alazraki, Pope Francis said he's feeling better after a bout of bronchitis, but also asked for continued prayer for his health. With his 87th birthday just a few days away, the Pope said it's important to accept the gifts of old age. At the same time, the Pope repeated that he has no plans to retire, although he said he has the example of Pope Benedict, who had the courage and humility to say enough when he could no longer continue as Pope. In his interview on Tuesday, the Holy Father spoke about his very close relationship with his predecessor and said it was a great grace to be able to bid farewell to the Pope Emeritus before the latter's death at the end of 2022. Pope Francis noted that Benedict's funeral was the occasion of changes and simplifications of the liturgical rites for the funeral of pontiffs, and he revealed in the interview that he himself plans to be buried in the papal basilica of St. Mary Major, a testament to his devotion to the Blessed Mother. Finally, the Pope spoke about the possibility of upcoming papal journeys, although an early December visit to Dubai for COP28 was cancelled due to health concerns, the Pope said he desires to take several trips in the coming years. The first to Belgium is safe, the Pope said, while hoped-for visits to Polynesia and Argentina are pending. We'll see how things go, the Pope added. I'm Christopher Wells. Today is the 11th anniversary of the killings of 20 first graders and six educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. There are no public events planned in Newtown today to mark this anniversary, but there is an interfaith remembrance for residents being held tonight at the Trinity Episcopal Church. Most of the classmates of the Sandy Hook first graders killed that morning in 2012 are now seniors in high school. House Republicans have voted to authorize an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Republicans argued the president benefited from the foreign business dealings of his son, Hunter Biden. The president has always maintained that he had nothing to do with his son's business. 
An impeachment inquiry is a step toward potential impeachment. It allows the House to hold public hearings and grant subpoena power for information and documents. More than half of Americans earning more than $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. Trey Thomas reports. That's according to a Lending Club report. Many experts point to a phenomenon called lifestyle inflation as one of the culprits. That's when the pattern of spending increases as a person's income increases. Many Americans say their incomes have not been keeping up with rising living costs. I'm Trey Thomas. And the NFL has announced they're awarding a 2024 regular season game to Brazil and voting to expand the slate of international games from four up to eight games beginning in 2025. The game in Brazil will be played in Sao Paulo at Corinthians Arena, which was used for the 2014 FIFA World Cup and the 2016 Summer Olympics. How cool is that, that there is a Corinthians Arena in a city named after St. Paul? Yeah. I think that's cool. So, I mean, I feel like that the, the, I, I want to write the headlines if they play in Corinth and they all be like, you know, that team was patient. That team was kind. They were not self-serving. Keep going. They kept no record of wrongs. Yeah. So good. That's your, that's your, that's your halftime speech if you're playing Absolutely. in Corinth. Absolutely. If you're playing in Corinthians Arena, most definitely. We need to be patient. Yeah, coach. How old do you think that? Kind. How old do you think right. that arena is? I mean, I don't it can, know. there's nothing. There's no That's way. That's more of a question it, for Dr. John Bergsma than it is for me. Dr. Bergsma, do you know how old Corinthians Arena is in Brazil? Any idea? Uh, in Sao Paulo? Yeah. Like, uh, I have no idea. You know, it's I not mean, ancient. But it's got to be kind of old if you're naming it after the Corinth. I mean, maybe not. Maybe they're just talking about the column style at it. I don't know. Yeah, Google it. Yeah. Well, no, Matt, do some research while we... Maybe I'll we're do. not talking about Corinthians today. We're talking about Ephesians today, so we're on the wrong topic. Where's I hope Ephesians I didn't Arena? That's what I want to know. I hope I didn't get Dr. Bergsma off kilter here by talking about Corinthians for a little completely bit. Completely thrown off. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Dr. John Bergsma back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics from Ave Maria Press. Dr. Bergsman, it's good to have you back. Absolutely, Anna. So uh, we are going to be talking about St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians today. And you mentioned in the book that this letter is is more universal, so to speak. Can you explain? Sure. Not all of our ancient copies say to the Ephesians. It Hmm. seems like a kind of uh, Pauline uh, encyclical. Uh, that was sent around to all the churches that he had pastoral care for, uh, for them to read and consider. So it's kind of general, not a whole lot of uh, specific local detail like you get in Corinthians, which has just been mentioned, but um, uh, very general. And and as that, it is a kind of uh, statement of Christian faith and life that is very generally applicable. All right, so now as it pertains to love basics in Ephesians, tell us about the theme of marriage that we get in this letter. Yes, it really runs through the letter, not restricted just to chapter 5, where we get that specific application to husbands and wives, 
but there is a kind of uh, marriage of Christ with humanity that runs through the book, um, where God has joined himself to the human race in a body and a temple. And St. Paul mixes those images of temple and body together, uh, and that's all based off of Christ's body, which is the temple. As we think about Gospel of John 2.21, he spoke of the temple of his body. Mm. But then there's also uh, a marriage of Jew and Gentile, and that comes up um, multiple times in Ephesians as well where the people of God have been united to the nations, the the Gentiles, in one body, which is the Church. And so the Church is a kind of wedding of Jew and Gentile as one people of God. So we see this theme is operating on multiple levels as we move through the book. Sure. Okay, so let's talk about the first level for uh, the rest of our time together today. I'm going to read from his uh, first chapter... Uh, verses, let's see, 22 and 23 is what you quote in the book. And it says, And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Unpack that for us. Sure. That's a uh, beautiful statement by St. Paul. Um, let's think of the implications of that. Um St. Paul is saying Jesus is head over all things for the sake of his body, which is the church. And usually we imagine that we think, oh, Jesus is the head above all things. So we, you know, so we see like, you know, the cosmos, and then we see Jesus, you know, king of the universe way up there. And then we usually place ourselves way down, you know, in the lower realms of reality. But you know, look at it again. He says we are his body. So if he is up there reigning over all things, then we are on the throne with him because we're mm-hmm. his body. And so this is really quite profound, and we can't like plumb the depths of it in just a few minutes. But it points to the reality that, uh, as one spiritual writer put it, as Christians, we fight from victory, not victory. Uh, We have been given the victory in Christ. We have authority in Christ over uh, the spiritual realms, especially over, you know, evil spirits and over the devil. Okay, we have authority over them in Christ, and we don't need to be pawns of evil. We don't need to, you know, we can't say the devil made me do it. No, the devil did not make you do it because in Christ you have authority over the devil to drive him out of your life. And so um, let's exercise faith that Christ has given us the victory. And when we claim that by faith and apply it in daily living, we can live a victorious Christian life. Yeah, it's really incredible when you think about his body being up up there, so to speak, as you say, um, in the ascension, like he united humanity with divinity and you go on to talk about ephesians chapter four and in in the where he he discusses the unity in the body of christ and and talking about how he ascended and then he goes on to say that he hopes that this will build up the body of christ so that we may no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. 
Rather, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. There's a lot of body imagery going on here. There sure is. You know, and and St. Paul is saying, look, every one of us has been given gifts and a unique vocation, and when we lean into what we've been called to do in the church and cooperate with one another, um, you know, the the sum is more than the parts. We really do get like a, you know, forgive the expression, but like a harmonic convergence when when all of us are living our vocations well and cooperating within the body of the church. And so a lot of the challenge of being the body of Christ, being, you know, a local congregation, uh, you being a worldwide church, is, is helping everyone to realize, hey, each one of us has a role to play. Um, it's not just the clergy. It's not like we pay Father, you know, to do all the work of the church. Every one of us has been given gifts um, for the local congregation as well as the worldwide body of Christ. And when we place those gifts at the disposal of Christ, um, you know, this bodily growth uh, takes place, and, and we see the fruits in virtue and in evangelization. All right, we'll leave it there for now. We've been talking to Dr. John Bergsma. The book is called Love Basics for Catholics. It's from Ave Maria Press, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bergsma, really appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Talk to you next week. I look forward to it. All right. It's 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, but I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. <laughs> Mother Angelica Live Classics.
Every morning, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case involving the abortion pill Mifepristone. Pope Francis has granted an interview to a Mexican journalist and in it revealed he intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. The Holy See today released the Holy Father's message for the World Day of Peace on January 1st under the theme Artificial Intelligence and Peace. All right, news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning on the Sunrise Morning Show. Good Christmas present. There you go. You remember that from our... Bop it. Children days. Bop it. Squeeze it. I don't remember what. Crank it. What were all of the things? There was a lot of things. I'm sorry. I'm distracting you. What were you going to talk about, Matt? I was just going to say that the Corinthian Stadium's only around since like the 80s or something. Really? Yeah, it's named after the team. The team that plays there, which is Sport Club Corinthians Paulista, which Paul's Corinthians, Paul's Corinthians Sports Club. It's a soccer soccer team. Nice. So So the soccer uh, team, how old are they? 113 years. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. I would think a 113-year-old soccer team would name themselves after a St. Paul. Which you probably wouldn't have a team today. Yeah. Like, if the Washington Commanders were still in search of a name, I don't think they'd call themselves the Washington Corinthians. No. No, I don't think so. Although that flows better than I thought it would when I was going into that. Yeah, Washington Corinthians. Speaking of sports, because when we say we cover news, weather, sports, and more, this is what we mean by sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people uh, in our Sacred Heart Radio family may have noticed that one of our big signings of the hot stove era... Uh, the Reds signed uh, Jamer Candelario, who some people know him from his time uh, with the Nationals or Cubs. So he's uh, he's an infielder mm-hmm. who's now on the roster. And I actually managed to catch uh, yesterday an interview with him. And uh, he was talking about how excited he was. He you know wants to compete and wants to win. And uh, the person interviewing him asked him about the number three. And he's like, yeah, that was a really significant number for me. Hmm. And how he was talking to his wife and how cool it was uh, because when he thinks of three, he thinks of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Nice. I'm like, all right, Jamer, welcome to Cincinnati. we got to yeah, get man. you on the radio, man. Awesome. So did he make Paul the Lachlan, sign of the cross while he did that? I, it, was, I was, it was on the radio, so I don't oh, know. okay. All I know is that Paul Lockman's now... You know, since he does sports on our local hour, he's got to figure out a way to get Jamer. Yeah. Jamer out here. Talk to Gail Finke, Paul. Yeah, come on. Jamer, you're welcome anytime. It's 21 past. Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. 
George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in, Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And this time of year, we talk about all kinds of great stories from the scriptures and their connections to food to help us really get into Advent and Christmas a little bit better. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, Matt. And I know this um, topic is pretty familiar to you. I love it. Uh, So we're talking about the three wise men today and uh, of course we celebrate the feast of epiphany uh at the uh, well towards the end of the 12 days of christmas it's the uh, it's how the 12 days of christmas end is with epiphany mm-hmm. and that is uh the celebration of the three kings right so uh when you look at the gifts of the three kings uh how do you like to kind of break them down well yeah um first of all um in matthew in chapter 2 um, the gifts were, were stated as gold, frankincense, and myrrh, um, and they were given to, to, to Jesus by the biblical magi uh, from out of the east, quote-unquote. And so everybody wonders, who were they and, and where did they come from? And so they were called wise men, and in me- medieval times, Matt, each of them sort of developed distinct characteristics, and a lot of times they're depict- depicted as representing three races, three ages of adult men, and three different areas of the world. But, you know, there's so many accounts as to who's who. But um, when I researched this, and I've been doing this for quite a while, here's what I've been able to find, and then I want you to to chime in, too, on one of them. The first was called Melchior, and according to tradition, he was the king of Persia. He was the oldest of the three, about 60 years old. Um, and he had white hair, you'll see him with a long beard, and he is the one who offered gold to the Lord. And, of course, we know gold symbolized royalty, so I think it was a perfect gift for the future king. And to me, he has a very Middle Eastern look. And uh, the second one is yours to describe, because I know you like him very much. Yes, that'd be uh, Caspar, or sometimes you see him referred to as Gaspar, and mm-hmm. he is a middle-aged guy, around 40 uh, usually doesn't have the, the big beard, uh, has a ruddy hue. He is the one who offers uh, the gift of frankincense. And uh, you say that he looks Indian to you. So, I, I mean, I, I, I was, I need to go look at my three kings and see, but I, I wouldn't be surprised, right, if that's how the legend has kind of grown up around him. But mm-hmm. frankincense, you know, we use, uh, you know, incense at Mass, and we know that it's a representation of prayer and of worship and, uh, you know, really is is indicating 
that aspect of who Jesus is. Oh, yeah. Um, it represents life, and, and uh, a lot of times it was used to um, anoint newborns, so I think very appropriate. And then the third king was black. He has, in my set, a really heavy beard, um, and supposedly, Matt, he was the youngest, about 20, and he was called Balthazar. And he's depicted as coming from Africa, and he brought myrrh, and they say that the myrrh he brought was obtained around Yemen. And, of course, myrrh symbolized Jesus' future death. And, you know, uh, back then it was an ingredient used in embalming, um, and one of the reasons was just to keep away the, the terrible odor that came with that. All right, so probably if you show up to a party and give people gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they'll be grateful <laughs> for the gold part of it, not sure what to do with the frankincense, and might not even know what myrrh is. So uh, if we're going to be giving a consumable gift uh, you've been coming up with some great ones so far during the Advent season. This may be the one that I actually try this year. Uh, so tell us what you got. Well, you might want to try it. I have two dessert sauces. Um, neither use corn syrup, which, you know, is, is a base ingredient in a lot of um, wonderful uh, sweet sauces, a lot of mine anyway. Um, but uh, some people don't like to use corn syrup, so I have two to share, and they'll be on my site. One is a salted maple caramel sauce, which is so trendy. The other is a real simple hot, fudgy chocolate sauce, and it has the consistency of, uh, you know, the, the store-bought hot fudge, um, really both easy to make. And I'll go over uh, quickly how to make them, and, again, they'll be on my site. The maple caramel sauce, which is, I don't know if this is the one you're going to like, you mm. just put some butter in a pan and cook it till it's melted, then you pour in some brown sugar real slow, and you just whisk that till it's all mixed. And it's going to look grainy, Matt, but that's okay. Then you're going to pour in some whipping cream, still whisking, and bring all that to a boil and just cook it till it's a bit thick. And you take that away from uh, the heat, and then you just stir in some maple syrup and vanilla and top it with some coarse uh, salt. And put it in a jar, and it stays in the fridge up to three weeks, and you'll want to warm that up before using. And then the second one's like a hot fudge uh, sauce. Oh, so good. Um, it's just a rip on the classic hot fudge sauce. And basically, real easy, you take some sweetened condensed milk, um, some bittersweet or dark or even semi-sweet chocolate chips or bars chopped, butter, and you put all that in a pan and just cook it and melt it till the, til the chocolate's all smooth and glossy. Then you store in vanilla, and you, again, put that covered in the refrigerator up to three weeks. You want to warm either of those before using, and um, both are really delicious. Easy to give away as jar gifts, microwavable, quick to make, um, and, it, and, you know, I always say a gift from the hands is a gift from the heart. So which of those two is your fave? Uh, I don't know. Actually, as you were describing it, the hot fudge sounds awesome uh, just because of all the different ways you can use it. But I can tell you this, that if somebody buys me a sweater and they're guessing at my size and they <laughs> blow up a bunch of money on it, I'll say thank you and I'll be very nice about it. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably wear it a couple times. But if somebody brings me a jar of homemade hot fudge, they're getting a bear hug from me, <laughs> Rita. Well, heck, I might have to just bring you one then. I'd like a bear hug <laughs> And delivered. That. <laughs> Hand delivered. No, these are great recipes. We've got them both linked at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. If you've never signed up for the show notes before, this is the reason to do it. Both the hot fudgy chocolate sauce and the uh, salted maple caramel sauce that you can give as gifts in a jar. If you're looking for handmade gifts this Christmas, uh, both find 
Find both at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, Rita. Have a wonderful day. I will, and I'll talk to you next week, Matt. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Supreme Court will take up the case involving the most widely used abortion pill. A lawsuit is challenging the legality of mifepristone. Earlier this year, a federal judge in Texas had issued a ruling that completely suspended FDA approval. It was later narrowed by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. The high court will now take up the case. The fighting between Israel and Hamas is raging on in the Gaza Strip. Mark Mayfield reports. This comes after Israel started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the region that's being used by the Palestinian militant group. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Meanwhile, the United Nations General Assembly voted on Tuesday to demand a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza as only 10 countries voted against the resolution, including Israel and the U.S., Israel faces growing international pressure due to its military campaign, with President Biden saying that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has to change. I'm Mark Mayfield. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. He said, I encourage all parties involved to resume negotiations and call on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. He said, let all hostages who had seen hope in the truce a few days ago be freed immediately so that this great suffering for Israelis and Palestinians might come to an end. He said, please, no to weapons, yes to peace. In his general audience catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father concluded his series on apostolic zeal. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The Pope began the catechesis by inviting the faithful to reflect on the rite of the ephata performed during the sacrament of baptism. He recorded that this rite comes from Jesus' miraculous healing of a deaf and dumb man in Galilee. Pope Francis noted that, as recounted by Mark's Gospel, the miracle was accomplished in territories then predominantly inhabited by pagans, not Jews. This, the Pope said, shows us that Jesus is able to open the ears and the mouths of those who can't hear or speak, where deafness and muteness in the Bible signify metaphorically closing to God's call. Pope Francis then drew attention to another indicative sign in that episode, the decisive word Ephatar, Jesus uttered, which in Aramaic means to be opened. That word, he explained, is an invitation addressed not only to the deaf and dumb, but specifically to his disciples of that time and of all times. The Pope went on to note that this should also make us reflect on our attitude as Christians. Cristiano deve essere aperto alla parola di Dio e al servizio degli altri. A Christian, he said, must be open to the word of God and to serving others. Closed Christians always end up badly because they are not Christians. They are ideologues of closure, he added, recalling that even at the end of the Gospels, Jesus entrusts us with his missionary desire to proclaim Jesus and ask the grace to bring a pastoral and missionary conversion. I am Lisa Zingarini. Pope Francis intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. The Holy Father said so in an interview this week granted to a Mexican journalist. The Catholic News Agency reports the last pope to have been buried in St. Mary Major was Pope Clement IX, who died in 1669. The last pope to be buried outside St. Peter's Basilica was Pope Leo XIII, who was buried in the Basilica of St. John Lateran 
1903. Pope Francis turns 87 on Sunday. The Holy See today has released the Pope's message for the January 1st World Day of Peace under the theme of artificial intelligence and peace. The Pope said, quote, it is my prayer at the start of the new year that the rapid development of forms of artificial intelligence will not increase cases of inequality and injustice all too present in today's world, but will help put an end to wars and conflicts and alleviate many forms of suffering that afflict our human family. May Christian believers, he said, followers of various religions and men and women of goodwill work together in harmony to embrace the opportunities and confront the challenges posed by the digital revolution and thus hand on to future generations a world of greater solidarity, justice, and peace, end quote. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Now you can use Venmo to give to Sacred Heart Radio. Just type in at Sacred Heart Radio, all one word, to give a gift of any amount. To help broadcast God's life-giving message over our seven media platforms, use Venmo at Sacred Heart Radio. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. John of the Cross, Thursday, December the 14th. And your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Getting warmer today. Right now, it's pretty cold, though, with temperatures in the lower 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, sunny and milder today with a high of 49 degrees. Clear tonight with an overnight low of 29 Mostly sunny to partly sunny tomorrow and a high of 53 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 48 degrees. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low of 26. Sunny with a few late day clouds tomorrow and a high of 54 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Make a end-of-the-year donation at sacredheartradio.com. And thanks. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Machuda, and he is author of a book called The Gospel Truth. We've been going through it to help us better understand uh, how reliable the gospel narratives are. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So today we get to talk about consensus and how consensus and the way that it functioned in the rabbi-disciple world and in really the ancient world in general, but especially in Judaism, helps us uh, believe in the reliability of the gospel. So uh, give us kind of a sense of how this idea of consensus works. Yeah, well, um, consensus can be seen in that uh, when you have an original 
and the original is copied. Let's, let's talk in terms of manuscripts. Maybe that's easier to imagine. You have a manuscript. Uh, subsequent manuscripts are copied from that. And what you should have as copies are made of copies, uh, you should have a clear majority of them agreeing with the original. So, of course, somebody would make mistakes or so on, and that's understandable, but you would you would see a consensus there. So uh, it's not that you're counting noses, so to speak, but that consensus points to uh, a common source because, you know, I, you remind me of one of my favorite quotes in the book. It comes from Tertullian. And Tertullian just basically says, look, Let's suppose that the apostles, right after Jesus ascends to heaven, they start getting mixed up, and they start introducing error, and that error proceeds, you know, down through the church. He says, basically, that error doesn't, you know, chaos doesn't fall into unity, right? It's always unity falls in the chaos. And so if you see a consensus where there's a widespread agreement on something, you could be pretty sure that that actually is an original. You know, it's, it's true to the the uh, thing that's handed on, simply because error tends to fall into disunity. Well, and if you're talking about a rabbi crucified as a revolutionary in the first century in backwater Palestine, the incredible thing is not so much. I mean, it is incredible that it survived two thousand years. Uh, the uh, most incredible thing is, is that it survived his death, <laughs> right? I mean, this is part yeah. of it, uh, because it, those, right. those 12 guys could have gone in 12 different directions, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and, uh, and we talked about how there was lots of false messiahs in the first century, and they all have the same pattern of uh, the leader gets killed, executed, the followers disband, and that's last you hear about them. But you're right. I mean, it's, this continues on. And when we look at the earliest Christian writings outside the Bible, what you find is this constant touchstone of to know whether something is true. We have to look at all the churches and see what they are teaching is true. And if there's a consensus, again, that points back to that's an authentic uh, representation of the original. So what's fascinating to me is that uh, when you look at a lot of the heresies that spring up in the early church, because those are the uh, those are the obstacles to consensus, right? Uh, they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, they, they they come from a lot of different places, but most of them are basically where where they're dissenting is they're dissenting on the interpretation of something that is the consensus. <laughs> Of, of the church, right? So when they're right. talking about, they think that Jesus is this or that that's different than, you know, the human, fully human, fully divine Jesus, they're going to argue like he's adopted by God later in life or something like that. They're still using the same scriptures that people are in a consensus on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there, so we can identify innovations, right? Because if you're reading scripture, uh, contrary to how it's it's traditionally read, you are the innovator. So now it's a single person innovates. You're located in a particular geographical area, and you're a distinct minority, right, one against everybody. And so even if you get a band of followers and that band of followers begins to grow and follow your interpretation, 
basically you have these three ear, earmarks of innovation, namely that it'll always happen long after the fact, so it, it won't be traced back to the to the original. Um, it'll be in a grow up in a specific geographic location, and it will always be a minority. It will never be the consensus. What's also fascinating to me, and I wonder if you could talk about this a little bit, is that there is consensus through those first centuries of the church, but there's not full-on uniformity because there are different sort of yeah. devotional traditions or different ways that people express the same truth. So uh, how do how do different flavors and expressions of the same truth show forth that consensus as well? Yeah, well, you know, in many ways, when you're looking at the early church, we're kind of eavesdropping on conversations. Uh, rarely do you have somebody address something head on. And so usually uh, you have to kind of read and infer certain things from the writings. Sometimes they're quite explicit, like I said. Sometimes they're implicit. But they're always written for different occasions for different reasons, right? And so uh, you could take a particular doctrine, uh, say the Immaculate Conception, and uh, you can express it in different ways. You could talk about it in terms of original sin. You could talk about it in terms of God's sovereignty. You could talk about it in terms of, uh, you know, prophecy. But ultimately, you know, even though there's different ways of expressing that particular doctrine, um, they, they all are saying essentially the same thing, just in different ways. So, you know, that's a really important point. I think people stumble over that when they're looking at the early church, is they want to see complete uniformity where they're repeating the same things. And that just doesn't happen in real life, does it? No, I mean, you know, what's fascinating to you, and, and this is important to me, uh, to understand, because uh, I've been asked about this a few times before uh, by people who don't believe in, say, for instance, the reality of the Eucharist and are trying to figure things out over history. And they're like, well, you know, I read to, you know, I read from St. Ignatius of Antioch who says, you know, I desire, you know, the, the communion, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ. And for drink, I desire his blood, which is love incorruptible. And he says, someone asked me once, like, what at the Council of Trent, they say it's uh, you know, not that it's the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, but it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity. So what changed? I'm like, nothing changed. The only thing that changed <laughs> is who we were talking to when we were explaining this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what really changed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's different ways of expressing the same thing because flesh and blood is the totality of a human person, right, in the ancient lingo. But, you know, when you get to the Council of Trent, after all these various heresies and so on and so forth, you're going to expect that there's going to be more precision in how they express things rather than in ancient times. But they, but the point is they're still expressing the same thing. It's just different ways. Yeah, it's a great point and uh, a great section in your book. And you get into how, you know, rabbis and their disciples sort of, you know, held consensus uh, in the midst of, of these questions as well. The book is called The Gospel Truth. Uh, you can find it through Gary's website, Hands On Apologetics, and wherever fine Catholic books are sold also through catholic.com. Gary, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. And again, through sunrisemorningshow.com, you can also subscribe to the show notes. You can check us out on our live video feed on Facebook and YouTube. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. You can even get Rita Heikenfeld's hot fudge and caramel sauce recipes for handmade gifts this Christmas. We're back after this. It's a quarter till.
Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. Dr. David Andrews here. Where is purgatory in the Bible? Why confess my sins to a priest? Find out more today at 2 p.m. Eastern on Call to Communion. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's on track, Dr. Andrews. Paul is waiting to bring in the beat. There we are. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up a case involving the most widely used abortion pill, Mithoprostone. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis concluded his catechesis series on apostolic zeal. And in a new interview that he granted this week to a Mexican journalist, the Holy Father revealed he intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Courtney Brown. He's di- executive director of the Rua Woods Institute. And we've been continuing and we will be continuing our series of mini lessons on their K through 12 theology of the body curriculum called Revealed. Courtney, welcome back. Oh, thank you. How are you doing this morning? I am doing fine and excited to talk to you about the third grade curriculum. We're going to start diving into it today. What would you say are the the major themes that you focus on for the third graders? So for the third grade, we have this juxtaposition between the gift of self and then the the distortion of the gift, which Mm -hmm. would be the sin. And then... uh, Later on, we go through uh, the Genesis. So the two books we talk through or use is one is Mafaro's Daughter, and then we actually go and dive into Scripture. So with the K-2, we use two storybooks. 
in three through five, we use a storybook and then a deep dive into the scriptures. And uh, so at the end of this, uh, the third grade, we kind of go deeper into original solitude with them and, uh, you know, original unity um, and like that. So we, we get a little deeper into those theology body concepts in third grade, for sure. Yeah. So we start out with this juxtaposition of gift of self and then the distortion of the gift. Well, and that is beautifully illustrated and told in this African tale. Those watching the video stream can see me holding up Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, which, as Courtney was saying, is the picture book, a Caldecott Award winner that, uh, that is used for this. Tell us the story of Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters. So in this story, we have a king who is beckoning for a queen, you know, uh, a princess, if you will. Um, and it takes place in the two daughters, the dad and the mom get excited and ask them to go on these journeys. Well, the one daughter sneaks out, you know, the one that's going to be the juxtaposition of the distortion of the gift. And along the way, ignores these people who need help. And then when she approaches the gate of the king, uh, there's like a monster, and she gets real scared and runs back, and then tries to warn her other daughter, her excuse me, her sister, about this. And then she, her sister, along the way, ends up helping a little boy, an older woman. And then when she's confronted at the gate, she, you know, attack, uh, embraces the monster in a certain way of a gift, and it, it happens to be the king, you know, mm-hmm. in that respect. And then he awards her with the gift of being his bride or whatnot. But the daughter who helps those people along the way you start to see how what her actions do and how it leads to the good and the one that didn't you start to see how missing the mark with the definition of said not so much that she didn't just get married but to the fact that her selfish tendencies led to a, a certain type of destruction which is kind of countercultural to our common um storyline that a lot of our i would say children's books or things today that even if you do what you want still ends up, even if it could be bad, it still mm-hmm. ends up in your face. You get bailed out a, somehow, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when we when we try to approach these two aspects with the kids, this idea of it's not just doing good for the sake of you getting a benefit. It's doing something good for the sake of that person. Yes. And the idea of being a gift and seeing the other as a gift is actually recognizing who that child, who that person is, too and not what you may perceive them to be. Mm-hmm. And there is the thing with the, the other daughter was her sole motivation was to whatever riches she can receive in mm-hmm. becoming the king's wife. Well, you know and what else was really interesting? Sorry to jump in. I want you oh, to no, reflect on this because this was something that I found so incredibly interesting um, with the, the mean daughter. I mean, so their father is not the king the father and the king are are different people in this story but we as christians have the king for our father and this mean sister is very careful to not be mean she's very mean to her sister and and is very careful to behave when she knows that the father is watching when he's around when he's aware of what's going on between the two of them. So she tries to conceal her sinfulness. And and I think that we often do the same thing, right? We try to be good yeah. in church. We try to put up good appearances and try to hide the sinfulness. But we are actually made for the good. So doing anything sinful is going to soil that. 
That's correct. And there's two connections there. It's, it's, it's awesome that you found that. The first connection is it connects right to the garden where once Adam and Eve sin, they try to hide themselves. Mm-hmm. As if God doesn't know where they are or doesn't understand what has just happened. And we see kind of like that first initial confession. So this idea of hiding when we sin is kind of apropos, right? Like this facade we put up to whom someone we care about or should care about or knows. The other thing, too, that the connection we make is this uh, paradigmatic shift that we try to get the kids to see that. And one of our activities is actually to look at the meanness of the the daughter who's mean and change, like, what, what could she have done differently when she approached this person or when she was with her sisters? What could she have done differently? And that's the process of this is where that stuff in terms of growing in virtue um, and allowing grace to kind of enter into your life is just looking at a, that examine, right, that St. Ignatius calls us to, and just saying, like, going through that and say, where did I fall short? I fell short here. Okay, what do I need to do in order to make this right again? And that's kind of the process of our confession, too, right? Like this idea that we go in, we recognize our sins, we fall short, we ask for forgiveness, and there's a restitution, if you will. There's a way to repair it in some capacity outside of, you know, obviously God's the one who repairs, but our actions of saying we'll sin no more and we'll do this act of penance. So we have an activity for them to, like, kind of really dig deep into that and what, what could you have done differently. You know, the other thing, too, is it's easy to, like, say, oh, I shouldn't be mean. I shouldn't hit my sister right. or I shouldn't hit my brother. But when, when, you, really, when you really scale that back, I, I was thinking about this a lot. I, I was listening to Scott Hahn on a podcast. Scott Hahn said he does this thing called jubilation where he would just sit at the dinner table, and he did this when his boys were young. And he just said, right now, all in the year of Jubilee, back in the old Leviticus, they just, all sins and all deaths were forgiven. Oh, yeah. And he just, at his dinner table, would say, we're going to have a day of Jubilation where you're allowed to come and tell me all the things where you fell short. And there's no consequence of, like, you know, just tell me. And he, he talks about that act of grace there. Because when we think about our faith, this is what it's about. It's that deep entering into a mystery of the church, but a mystery of Christ his love for us and his body. So when we want to help with our kids here, we want them to see that grace is an indwelling of Christ in your life, and that's virtue. Virtue is where Christ takes a home and your heart. And uh, and he lives there and reigns in there as king. Amen. Well, we'll have to leave it there for now. So much more to talk about. But in the meantime, go check out ruralwoodsinstitute.org and you can check out the revealed K through 12 curriculum. We've been talking to Courtney Brown. Courtney, thank you. You're welcome. All right. And that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Family, because we've continued to receive many online gifts and one large donation, we've now exceeded our $60,000 pledge drive goal. Thank you. Yeah, we can now pay the light bills. And you know, to lead others into the light of Christ can be as simple as wearing a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt, which we will send you for pledging to give just $10 a month throughout 2024. To pledge now, visit sacredheartradio.com. Again, thank you for your support and telling others about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. 
Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. The highest standards, integrity, and best practices are core values at Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, your partners in residential and commercial insurance repair and restoration. Rainbow International, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio, 513-271-1000. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway in Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. I'm Father Chet, Artishevitz of the Glen Mary Home Missioners, and thank you so much for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Thursday, the 14th of December, the Feast of St. John of the Cross, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are a helper close at hand in time of distress. From outward turmoil and inner disturbance, deliver us, O Lord. From quarreling in our homes and from wars among nations, deliver us, O Lord. From the bustle that keeps us from prayer in this busy season, deliver us, O Lord. O God of peace, you sent St. John of the Cross to teach the way to inner silence and outward peace. Through his intercession, renew in your church a deep spirit of prayer as we prepare to welcome your word who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us on a Thursday morning. And uh, we are 10 days from Christmas Eve. Not to get you all rattled, but uh, just want to make sure everybody knows kind of where we stand. We're heading towards the pink candle. Just a couple days away from the pink candle. 
up this hour. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman has sports. And we will talk to Danielle Bean from the Girlfriends podcast. Father John Gavin has more thoughts from the catechism and how the church fathers are quoted in the catechism. We'll talk more about today's saint, St. John of the Cross, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Since John is a doctor of the church, Dr. Bunsen's got a specialty in those church doctors. And then Katie Bogner along at the end of the hour as well. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Supreme Court has agreed to take up the case involving the most widely used abortion pill. A lawsuit challenges the legality of mifepristone. Earlier this year, a federal judge in Texas had issued a ruling that suspended fully FDA approval of mifepristone for abortion. That ruling was later narrowed by the Fifth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. The case will now head to the high court. Israel is keeping up its attacks on the Gaza Strip today, despite growing international calls to reduce civilian deaths in its war against Hamas. U.N. officials say roughly 90 percent of the Gaza population has been displaced by the relentless bombing, and about a million people are facing starvation. Health officials in Gaza say more than 18,000 Palestinians have been killed since the conflict started on October 7th. In a statement yesterday, the Palestinian health ministry said vaccinations for children are dwindling in Gaza and that running out of vaccines will have catastrophic repercussions on the spread of disease. Pope Francis gave an interview this week with a Mexican journalist revealing his desired burial place and also talking about possible upcoming journeys as well as his health. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. In an interview granted to veteran journalist Valentina Alazraki, Pope Francis said he's feeling better after a bout of bronchitis, but also asked for continued prayer for his health. With his 87th birthday just a few days away, the Pope said it's important to accept the gifts of old age. At the same time, the Pope repeated that he has no plans to retire, although he said he has the example of Pope Benedict, who had the courage and humility to say enough when he could no longer continue as Pope. In his interview on Tuesday, the Holy Father spoke about his very close relationship with his predecessor and said it was a great grace to be able to bid farewell to the Pope Emeritus before the latter's death at the end of 2022. Pope Francis noted that Benedict's funeral was the occasion of changes and simplifications of the liturgical rites for the funeral of pontiffs, and he revealed in the interview that he himself plans to be buried in the papal basilica of St. Mary Major, a testament to his devotion devotion to the Blessed Mother. Finally, the Pope spoke about the possibility of upcoming papal journeys, although an early December visit to Dubai for COP28 was cancelled due to health concerns, the Pope said he desires to take several trips in the coming years. The first to Belgium is safe, the Pope said, while well, hoped-for visits to Polynesia and Argentina are pending. We'll see how things go, the Pope added. I'm Christopher Wells. Today is the 11th anniversary of the murder of 21st graders and six educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown. There are no public events planned in Newtown today to mark the anniversary, but an interfaith remembrance for residents is being held tonight at the Trinity Episcopal Church. Most of the classmates of the Sandy Hook first graders killed that morning in 2012 
are now seniors in high school. The Holy See today released the Pope's message for the January 1st World Day of Peace under the theme Artificial Intelligence and Peace. In his message, the Pope said, quote, It is my prayer at the start of the new year that the rapid development of forms of artificial intelligence will not increase cases of inequality and injustice all too present in today's world, but will help put an end to wars and conflicts and alleviate many forms of suffering that afflict our human family. May Christian believers, followers of various religions, and men and women of goodwill, he said, will work together in harmony to embrace the opportunities and confront the challenges posed by the digital revolution and thus hand on to future generations a world of greater solidarity, justice, and peace. More than half of Americans earning more than $100,000 a year live paycheck to paycheck. Trey Thomas reports. That's according to a Lending Club report. Many experts point to a phenomenon called lifestyle inflation as one of the culprits. That's when the pattern of spending increases as a person's income increases. Many Americans say their incomes have not been keeping up with rising living costs. I'm Trey Thomas. Coming up on 807 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at Beacon Ortho. Dot com. Here's Paul Lockman. Well, thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. And uh, let's get started with some Bengals news. Bengals currently looking to extend their winning streak. And a, a reminder to you, because uh, you said this to me yesterday, Bengals play Saturday, not Sunday, Saturday, Saturday 1 o'clock. And uh, they take on the one Minnesota. 1 o'clock? Fight. 1 o'clock. What? Yeah. Ain't that wild? There's no college football this weekend. Is Ain't, that what you're telling that me? Is, that is the reason why. That uh, and I came to this discovery. No bowl games yet. No, this it's is December fourteenth. I got. I, I'm sorry. Saturday is December sixteenth. Heartbreaking news. I mean, it's okay. I'll be watching the Bengals, but yeah. Well, now you have to be. Yeah. So uh, Bengals play at one o'clock against the Vikings. Vikings will start Nick Mullins at quarterback. Um, also this Saturday, how about this? Your Ohio State Buckeyes play basketball. Oh, okay. They play in the uh, CBS Sports Classic against tipping off against UCLA. That's Mick Cronin, uh, former UC Bearcat coach. Uh, Bearcats will have a rivalry game of their own playing at Heritage Bank Center, taking on the Dayton Flyers on uh, Saturday. Today's Thursday, though. So I guess uh, the one game to talk about, how about uh, the Raiders? Take on the Chargers. This is uh, less than thrilling. Chargers are without their starting quarterback, Justin Herbert. He uh, will have a he's having season ending finger surgery and they are starting Easton stick at quarterback. Yeah, that's that's actually a hockey stick. But uh, no, the guy's name is actually Easton stick. (laughs) Easton is the brand. They're going up against the Raiders. And the Raiders last week are the team that played the Vikings and lost Lost three to nothing, three to nothing. So, uh. It doesn't, uh, not too appealing. Yeah, not too appealing of a game there. So, but it's my job. I just have to tell you about it. All right. Let's uh, take a look at traffic now. Traffic service of Rose Automotive, pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton, on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Any good news, Anna? Uh, No. Sorry. I mean, a lot of slow traffic to report and actually an accident to start off with. Uh, Right two lanes blocked on northbound 71 at the 275 interchange and has you stacked up 
almost back to the Norwood lateral. You'll be uh, on and off the brakes. Southbound 71, you're running slow from Field Zertle down toward Smith Edwards. Southbound 75 is slowing through the Lachlan split. Northbound 75 slowing from Mitchell to Paddock. Northbound 7175 in northern Kentucky is slowing from uh, just before 275 up toward the cut in the hill. Northbound 471 is slowing from Alexandria Pike up to the river. Now for weather, a little bit warmer today and a little bit more warmer, a little bit warmer than that. How do I say that grammatically? A little bit warmer than that tomorrow. Okay, sunny skies today in Cincinnati with a high of 49 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 29. Mostly to partly sunny tomorrow and a high of 53 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 48. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low of 26. Sunny with a few late day clouds tomorrow and a high of 54 degrees. Today is Thursday, December the 14th. It is the feast of St. John of the Cross, the mystical doctor of the church, a Carmelite doctor of the church. More on him with Dr. Matthew Munson a little bit later this hour. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. Danielle Bean back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. You can connect with her, invite her to speak or lead a retreat. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast all through her site, daniellebean.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. Always happy to be talking to you. And today we're going to be discussing how to find joy in Advent. And joy, of course, one of the the main themes of Advent. But for many people, that might be a theme that just doesn't fit for them. I mean, it's whether it's because, you know, this is your first advent without a loved one who has Mm -hmm. died in the past year. You're dealing with a lot of illness in the family, or maybe you're just running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to keep up with all the perfect, you know, Pinterest, perfect mothers who have their homes just so with all the perfect advent not christmas advent decorations and <laughs> and foods uh keeping up you know liturgically correct um appearances right but is it possible to find joy in all of those situations i can tell you for sure it is it can be a little challenging and if you're thinking about joy in strictly kind of superficial worldly terms then no you can't always be that kind of joyful but the real kind of joy that god wants for us to have comes from our identity in him in our relationship with him and that's unchanging and this is something that's hard for us because we're we're small humans with our small human brains to wrap our our brains around is this idea that our joy that is rooted in our relationship with the Lord it shouldn't be changed by our outside circumstances, is not essentially changed by our outside circumstances if it's authentic. Of course, this is a lifetime project to get there, to this perfect awareness of our relationship with God and to be rooted in that. But we all can focus more there, especially during the season of Advent. We're more deliberate about focusing on our relationship with the Lord and being rooted in that no matter what is going on around you, what difficult things you might be facing. And, you know, I'm not belittling that. I'm not dismissing that. There are people who are going through very hard things right now. And 
you know, going through hard things during a time of year when everyone's telling you to make merry can sometimes be exceptionally difficult because yeah. you feel like you're the only one who's kind of struggling in the ways that you might be. And so, you know, if you're going through a time like that, be assured that God still has plans for your joy, especially during the season of Advent. Yeah. He still wants to give you the gift of his presence. I, I feel like going to the scriptures and reading about those times when the apostles were on the stormy seas might be yeah. uh, uh, particularly when when Peter goes out amidst all of the waves and the chaos that's going on on the Sea of Galilee and and loses sight of the Lord momentarily, but then calls out to him. And that's when Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him up. I mean, right. how would you encourage people to connect with the Lord if you're dealing with turbulent seas in your life? Right. I think, you know, like you, you just mentioned, Scripture, that is where to go, because that is where God is speaking to you. Scripture is alive, and God has a message for you in his scriptures that is unique to your circumstances. So spending some time in God's Word is a beautiful way to prepare for the coming of the Christmas season and a beautiful way to be connecting with God every day. It doesn't have to be fancy. You know, um, someone told me a few years ago that the book of Luke has uh, 24 chapters, so they recommended reading a chapter a day through Advent. I know, kind of a nice, easy way to kind of make that a, a scripture habit for Advent, an easy smallish commitment to make to reading scripture and of course now we're we're part way into advent so if you start today you'd have to catch up but regardless of that i think making time every day to spend time reading scripture especially reading the gospels especially reading luke and just focusing on those joyful mysteries it's such a beautiful way to connect with the life of our lord to connect with the life of mary and her experiences and, you know, really be looking to go deeper in that relationship. Regardless of what's going on in the world around you, God wants to speak to you in that. He wants to speak to you a unique message that he has for you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to affirm you. He wants to encourage you to know your worth and your identity and what he's calling you to. And he can speak all of that to you through his word. But you have to make the time to sit in it. You know, I think particularly for those who are battling sadness from whatever issue in their life can possibly take hope in the fact that even the story of the nativity has these undertones of, you know, this newborn king laying in the manger still has undertones of his passion Mm -hmm. inside that story. Amid that story, you can see, you know, little hints toward mm-hmm. toward what is in store for him as he continues his earthly life what is in store for his mother as she continues on uh journey the journey with him in that life i mean even amid these joyful events are sadness but also hope mm-hmm. right i think that's so important and you know sometimes we can kind of glamorize it a little bit you know we're like oh they traveled to bethlehem and gave birth in this beautiful you know, manger scene, and, you know, it sounds so Not quite as but smelly <laughs> when you're using a nativity scene that you bought at a store, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we kind of sanitize it a bit, maybe glamorize it a little bit. But, you know, I, I often think of Mary traveling to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant, on a donkey. Like, you know, so many of us can, can relate to that kind of late pregnancy feeling. I'm sure she was depleted, exhausted. And also, I'm sure that she had in mind how this baby would be born, where this baby would be born. And it didn't look like this, 
Like, this was not her plan. And so focusing on Our Lady's acceptance of God's will, even among difficult circumstances, things that were challenging, things that weren't going according to her plan, continuing to trust in the Lord. What a beautiful example she gives us. And as we're reading that story, I think it's really helpful if you're going through hard things to look for the hard things. See what our Lord and Our Lady and St. Joseph were enduring, what they were going through, and yet focused on the Lord, focused on hope and joy through all of it. Yeah. Well, we've only touched on one uh, point from your girlfriend's podcast (laughs) this morning, which is Connect with God. Um, I'm hoping that you'll be available next week. I don't know if you will be, Danielle, but um, would love to talk specifically about controlling our thoughts. Uh, which I think is a whole conversation in and of itself. So we will look forward to that. In the meantime, encourage folks to go listen to the Girlfriends podcast at daniellebean.com. Danielle, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Thank you. All right. It's 18 past. We got traffic and weather coming up next. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree, to sterling silver medals, rosary, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Nineteen past now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at larkincobb.com. Still trying to clean up the accident on northbound 71 at the 275 interchange. Right two lanes blocked. You can expect about a 20-minute delay at least congestion. Uh, back toward, we're going to say Red Bank now. Southbound 71 slowing from Field Zertle to the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 75 still slow through the Lachlan Split. Northbound 75 a little slow. Uh, between Mitchell and Ronald Reagan in northern Kentucky. Northbound 7175, still slow from 275 up toward the cut in the hill, mostly heavy on northbound 471 from Grand Avenue up to the river. Now for weather, sunny and a little milder today in Cincinnati with a high of 49 degrees. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low of 29, mostly to partly sunny tomorrow and a high of 53. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 48. Clear tonight with an overnight low of 26. Sunny with a few late-day clouds tomorrow and a high of 54 degrees. 
now please pray with me the prayer for Ohio. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the unborn, pray for us. Father John Gavin joins us next. It's 22 past. Are you using the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app? Well, by updating or reinstalling the Sacred Heart Radio app, you get the upgraded features like the daily podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again from the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faith. To reinstall the Sacred Heart Radio app, go to sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code, and depending on your phone, choose the App Store or Google Play to begin enjoying the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app. The Comboni Missionaries present the 76th Annual Nativity Experience, a family favorite for generations. The birth of Christ is retold in an incredible room-sized animated diorama of the Holy Land. Admission is free. Donations to food banks accepted. The Nativity Experience at the Comboni Mission Center in Anderson. Open 6 to 8 p.m. daily, December 15th through 30th. Close Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. More information at ComboniMissionaries.org slash nativity. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. We're joined now by Father John Gavin, who is the author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. He's been going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church with us and looking at the various ways that the Church Fathers are quoted in the Catechism. Father Gavin, good morning. Good morning. So uh, I feel like this is uh, a great topic to to bring out at any time, but you know I see all kinds of frustrations in parishes and dioceses at the church level as a whole between the church and all other kinds of Christianities. So it's good to kind of reflect on what we believe about uh, wounds to unity. Uh, we're going to be looking at what Origin of Alexandria has to say about some of this stuff, but what's the context in the catechism where this comes up? Sure. So the section we've been looking at, or the sections we've been looking at, is, are on the church and the Holy Spirit's action in the church. But this specific section looks at wounds to unity and the ways in which uh, divisions uh, throughout history and even now occur within the body of the Church. 
uh, and also calling us to respond to them. All right. So then how does Origin show up here? So Origin, uh, the quote that it has here comes from his homilies on uh, Ezekiel. Uh, it's actually treating uh, chapter 16 of uh book of the prophet Ezekiel. And he writes there, uh, where there are sins, there are also divisions, schisms, heresies, and disputes. Where there is virtue, however, there also are harmony and unity, from which arise the one heart and the one soul of all believers. In the original context, he's looking at the uh, the sins of Israel and how that created divisions within the people and even with uh, their hu- unity with God. And so he uh, then goes into a discussion about how we still struggle with these issues within the life of the Church, and specifically looking at virtue and vice, uh, virtue and sin, and the way virtue unifies and sin divides. Well, these things are not uh, new revelations that come around mm. once the once the church gets started in uh, the Book of Acts. These things go back to the beginning, right? Uh, you know, there's a, just a, a great exploration mm. of of how original sin uh, breaks our relationship with God, it breaks our relationship with creation, but it also breaks our relationship with one another. Why wouldn't it be the case that it would break our relationships with fellow Christians? Absolutely. I mean, we can see it right from the beginning with Adam and Eve when they start playing the blame game after the fall, and we see it throughout the life of the Church. What's interesting, what Origen does here, especially focusing on the question of virtue and vice, I mean, he's drawing on a fundamental understanding, first of all, of virtues, that the virtues, the habits, uh, these qualities, are what perfect our human nature uh, on the one hand, right, courage and patience, uh, and especially the infused theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, uh, perfect our nature, but they also always uh, make us more, in his words and other fathers of the Church, more godlike. That is, he talks about, uh, Maximus the Confessor, and he talks about Christ as being the essence of all the virtues. To know him is to know fully what these are. And when we come to a grow in them, uh, we become also more Christ-like. And this naturally unifies. It draws us deeper into the body of Christ, especially our outward movement in those virtues. Whereas vice eats away at our nature. It cuts away at it. And and as we become more selfish, as we turn more inward with those sins, uh, it creates divisions, but it also scandalizes and pushes others away, especially if we're bearing the name of Christian. So it's really interesting the way he develops it through these ideas of virtue and sin and shows us those as the sources of these divisions. Well, there is just so much to unpack as this passage goes on uh, into paragraph 818. You know, over at the Coming Home Network, we're working with all kinds of people, including lots of Protestant ministers uh, who Mm -hmm. are exploring the Catholic Church and didn't even like think that that was something that was important, (laughs) right, to even Mm -hmm. possibly process until some of them very recently. Uh, In 8.18 it says, however, one cannot charge with the sin of the separation, uh, and this is talking about divisions among Christians, those who at present are born into these communities that resulted from Mm -hmm. such separation and in them are brought up in the faith of Christ. And the Catholic Church accepts them with respect and affection as brothers. You know, some of this Mm -hmm. 
division and conflict comes from the fact that we remember stuff that our great 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 grandparents right. did to each other, <laughs> right? Right. And that stuff right. sort of has a generational effect on division among Christians. And so you can just so easily. I mean, this this happens in wars too, right? It's so mm-hmm. easy to mm-hmm. say, "Well, you did this to us," and "Well, well, you did this back to us," and and just. Mm-hmm. going back and back over the grievances and the sins, and the conflict never ends that way. Right. That's the tragedy, of course, of sin. Uh, it's never just individual, right, just what I do, but rather it cuts into a community and it becomes uh, a rift throughout history, and, and we wind up inheriting tragically these, uh, these divisions uh, in each generation. Which means, really, the only way we're going to heal those divisions, uh, in fact, is to individually and communally grow in holiness, especially through the sacraments and confession, uh, the Eucharist, but also living out the the corporal and spiritual works of mercy uh, in our lives. That's going to be what really heals those divisions when we come closer to Christ, uh, when we grow in that holiness and that imitation of Him. Well, this is something that Marcus Grodi said, uh, you know, over at our apostolate from the beginning, which is if you are a Christian and I'm a Christian in the Catholic Church and we both focus our energies not on necessarily, you know, getting into these big fights, but we both decide that the most important thing for our relationship is that we both grow closer to Christ. Then naturally, Mm -hmm. as we both get closer to that, you know, that destination, we're going to get closer to each other, like two lines Mm -hmm. of a triangle heading toward the same vertex it, it is i mean and, and i've seen this personally mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh when i get into a debate online with somebody i don't really get much of anywhere and that person doesn't get much of anywhere with me but if we are working together and praying together some interesting things can happen right no absolutely i can i, I mean the, the, that's why you, the work that you do is so important and it's also important for every christian to be conscious that uh he or she is contributing to that by the way he or she lives, her, uh, lives their lives, right? That uh, we are giving witness to Christ, and the closer we draw to Christ, the more we will draw others to him, the more we will form that unity. Well, thank you so much, Father John Gavin. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. 31 past, here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Supreme Court will take up the case involving the most widely used abortion pill, a lawsuit challenging the legality of Mifepristone. Earlier this year, a federal judge in Texas had issued a ruling that suspended FDA approval of the drug. It was later narrowed by the Fifth Circuit. The fighting between Israel and Hamas rages on in the Gaza Strip. Mark Mayfield has more. This comes after Israel started pumping seawater into the sprawling network of tunnels in the region that's being used by the Palestinian militant group. Israeli forces say Hamas used the tunnels to move around the battlefield and to store rockets and ammunition. Meanwhile, the United Nations General Assembly voted on Tuesday to demand a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza as only 10 countries voted against the resolution, including Israel and the U.S., Israel faces growing international pressure due to its military campaign, with President Biden saying that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has to change. I'm Mark Mayfield. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. He said, I encourage all parties involved to resume negotiations and call on everyone to make an urgent commitment to get humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza. He said, let all hostages who had seen hope in the truce a few days ago 
be freed immediately so that this great suffering for Israelis and Palestinians might come to an end. He said, please, no to weapons, yes to peace. In his general audience catechesis yesterday, the Pope continued or concluded, rather, his series on apostolic zeal. From Vatican Radio, at Lisa Zingarini reports. The Pope began the catechesis by inviting the faithful to reflect on the rite of the effata performed during the sacrament of baptism. He recorded that this rite comes from Jesus' miraculous healing of a deaf and dumb man in Galilee. Pope Francis noted that, as recounted by Mark's Gospel, the miracle was accomplished in territories then predominantly inhabited by pagans, not Jews. This, the Pope said, shows us that Jesus is able to open the ears and the mouths of those who can't hear or speak, where deafness and muteness in the Bible signify metaphorically closing to God's call. Pope Francis then drew attention to another indicative sign in that episode, the decisive word Ephatah, Jesus uttered, which in Aramaic means to be opened. That word, he explained, is an invitation addressed not only to the deaf and dumb, but specifically to his disciples of that time and of all times. The Pope went on to note that this should also make us reflect on our attitude as Christians. Cristiano deve essere aperto alla parola di Dio e al servizio degli altri. A Christian, he said, must be open to the word of God and to serving others. Closed Christians always end up badly because they are not Christians. They are ideologues of closure, he added, recalling that even at the end of the Gospels, Jesus entrusts us with his missionary desire to proclaim Jesus and ask the grace to bring a pastoral and missionary conversion. I am Lisa Zingarini. Pope Francis intends to be buried in the Basilica of St. Mary Major. The Holy Father said so in a new interview this week granted to a Mexican journalist. The Catholic News Agency reports the last pope to have been buried in St. Mary Major was Clement IX, who died in 1669. The last pope to be buried outside St. Peter's Basilica was Pope Leo XIII, who was buried in the Basilica of St. John Lateran back in 1903. Pope Francis turns 87 on Sunday. 8.35 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. We'll start with uh, some Cincinnati basketball news. Bearcats will be back in action on Saturday at Heritage Bank Center. Taking on the Dayton Flyers, uh, that matches up the 8-1 and one Cats. Going up against the 7-2 and two Flyers, Xavier will also be in action taking on Winthrop. Ohio State will play an important basketball game as well in the CBS Sports Classic, hosting UCLA. Uh, well, not hosting. That game will be played in Atlanta. Buckeyes coming off a close loss to Penn State over uh, the past weekend. Bengals looking to extend their winning streak over the weekend and will play on Saturday against the Minnesota Vikings. One o'clock scheduled uh, start time. Vikings have announced that Nick Mullins will be their starting quarterback. Also on the ice tonight, how about Blue Jackets? Blue Jackets need a win. They are uh, coming off uh, another loss, and uh, they have lost four or five. Take on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, the, the Buds in Toronto Jackets sit in uh, last place in the Metro with 23 points. That's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this.
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Have you tried using the Sacred Heart Radio app to hear us on your car radio through Bluetooth? It sounds better than FM and is always interference-free. To get the app, just go to sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. The Memorari to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in your power, I fly unto you and beg your protection. Despise not, O foster father of the Redeemer, my humble supplication, but in your bounty hear and answer me. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Sister Patricia Jean, Sister of St. Joseph the Worker. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you back, especially on a day like today. December 14th is the Feast of St. John of the Cross, the great Carmelite reformer, mystic, and doctor of the church. Um, I want to start off with his early life. What attracted him to the Carmelites in the first place? Well, it's possible to say in some ways that uh, suffering, <laughs> and I don't mean that as, as a joke. I mean that as a, when we look at his early life, uh, it was filled with immense suffering, and it brought to him, I think, a profound wisdom about life. You know, his, his father, who was connected to very wealthy relatives, lost all of it because he chose to love someone, and that was a, a woman that was deemed uh, inadequate in social station, and so the family was essentially cast out, and he spent much of his childhood suffering in absolute abject poverty, especially after his father died. And so those influences, I think, of caring for the poor, of uh, a very rudimentary education, taught him the significance of love, but it also taught him the significance of suffering. And so drawn to that Carmelite order, that the prayerfulness of it, uh, the beauty of it, uh, the desire of putting Christ first in everything, I think those are the things that drew him to it, but also uh, the impulse for reform, uh, that he eventually became such a figure of, uh, within the Carmelite order itself. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You, know, you talk about all of these high ideals of the Carmelites, but what was the state of the Carmelite order in Spain during his lifetime, and what did his confreres think of him? Well, his uh, his confreres didn't think much of him, unfortunately, and many 
different locations of uh, Spain at the time. Now, the Carmelite order itself was undergoing that reform that we were talking about. And, of course, we cannot discuss Carmelite reform without also mentioning a great friend, colleague, uh, and fellow saint and doctor of the Church, Teresa of Avila. Mm-hmm. And the two of them, I think, really influenced each other in, in pulling, as saints so often do, uh, each other into even greater holiness, but also a greater commitment to bring about the type of reform institutionally but spiritually that the Carmelite order needed. That's why both of them were such key figures in what became known as the discalced Carmelites. So just a, a simple term, weighed down with immense meaning, loaded with meaning in the sense that uh, they wanted to go back to the authentic spirituality of the Carmel order, and, and that meant things like abstinence and fasting and long periods of prayer of a life that really was focused on Christ and that would bring the, the kind of reform that would allow the, the Carmelites to really become key components in the spiritual reform of the wider church that was taking place in the 16th century. Well, that was not terribly welcome, was it, in, within the order? No, it wasn't. Uh, there were bitter divisions within the order itself, and that's where John's life took such a dramatic turn, uh, because uh, he faced such opposition that he was actually arrested by some of his own fellow members of the Carmelites and brought to a place of uh, imprisonment, uh, I think, in Toledo. And he spent uh, a bitter time there uh, in a tiny cell, deprived of most of the light except from a tiny window, where he similar to uh, John of Avila and others who found themselves uh, caught up in the Inquisition, similar in in many ways to Teresa of Avila, who faced opposition. Those were defining moments in his prayer life and his spirituality, and moments of immense growth for him, where other people might become embittered, angry, and resentful over what had been done to them by their fellow members of their own order. John understood profoundly that this was an opportunity for him to deepen his love and his contemplative union and his mystical contemplation of Christ. So he he turned what was evil into something that was profoundly good. Yeah, tell us about this time of suffering, how it actually became a blessing not just to John, but really to the entire church eventually. Well, it was within this time that uh, he composed one of uh, his greatest works called The Spiritual Canticle. And uh, he was uh, writing it thanks to some sheets of paper that were passed to him by one of the friars who was in charge of uh, overlooking his cell. And it took him nine months to escape from this, and, and he did so basically by sort of wedging his way or prying the, the door from his cell off of its hinges and then scurrying out a window uh, with sheets and whatever he could find to tie together. And, of course, where did he go? He went to the... the sisters, the nuns who were connected with Teresa of Avila, who helped him recover from that. And what did he do from there? He went on to continue the reform of the Carmelites, and then, of course, to take all of that wisdom that he had accumulated in the darkness of his cell uh, to write, uh, and to continue to promote holiness within the Carmelites, but holiness and reform across the whole of the Church. You mentioned darkness. He's perhaps best known for his dark night of the soul. And, you know, I think people assume they know what this work is all about just based on the title, but might not have it completely right. So can you tell us more about the dark night of the soul? Well, if we're looking at his writings, I was just mentioning his spiritual canticle. Uh, We find in that uh, a journey, a search uh, for the bridegroom. 
of course, who is Christ. In the dark night of the soul, what we're looking at is a journey, a journey of the soul uh, to contemplative, contemplative union with God. And this takes place, as he notes, uh, at night. So this is a, a very clear image of the difficulties, the challenges that we find in our detachment and our movement toward light, uh, that perfect union, that mystical union with the one who made us. And there are steps, there are movements in that journey itself. And then when we look at one of the other works that he, he composed, The Ascent of Mount Carmel, we're, seeing, we're taking so much of that in, in the dark night of the soul, and then we're finding it in a slightly more systematic fashion. So what you're really discovering in what is considered the, the height, in many ways, of Spanish poetry, that beneath what seemed like just fascinating and at times almost uh, indefinable stanzas of poetry, we're finding almost a series of complete treaties of how to love, of how to help your soul find God. But it's also a constant reminder of that that journey has to be sober, it has to be realistic, it has to be focused, it has to be disciplined, but it also has to be rooted in our love for Christ and his church. We've been talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen. We've got EWTN News and the Doctors of the Church series linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Doc, thanks so much. Great to be with you, Gabalette. It was great to have you. Thank you. All right, 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back right after this. Bill Levitt here, so happy to share with you the good news that because we've continued to receive many online gifts and one large donation, we've now exceeded our $60,000 Advent Pledge Drive goal by several thousand dollars. Thank you. Yes, in the nearly 23 years I've been blessed to be part of Sacred Heart Radio, it's times like these when we must trust that God will provide the means to get His message of hope and mercy out there in the media, even if it looks like inflation and other forces may have the best of us. But because listeners like you have provided the encouragement and funds to shine the light of Christ now over seven media platforms, we can pay the light bills and so much more. And to lead others into the light can be as simple as wearing a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt, which we will send you for pledging to give just $10 a month throughout 2024. To pledge now, visit sacredheartradio.com. Again, thank you for your support and telling others about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Start your new year with purpose. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings to assist your loved ones tomorrow by thinking ahead today. Gate of Heaven Cemetery's free pre-planning seminar is on Tuesday, January 23rd, offering three time slots for your convenience, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. For reservations, 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and boy, am I glad to be back uh, at my home. Some of you have been watching on camera have been like, where in the world where is, is Matt my... Benton? Where in the it's world weird. is... Carlos San Diego. That's what we should call him, Carlo Broussard. Oh, yeah. Although, he w- was at least in when the, he's doing in studios at Capitan. He's been in the bayou this week. Been in the bayou. Yeah. So, um, Anna Mitchell, when we do these Journey Home tapings, which are a blast, I mean, we talk, mm-hmm. we should just leave the camera running from the time the people arrive through dinner, through the car ride to and from the, like, there's some amazing conversations that happen. And it turns out, so we tape two episodes a day. Mm-hmm. Two days in a row. So in two days, we tape four episodes. We get a month worth of shows <laughs> recorded, right, and then I come days. back to yeah, come back to Earth and work on other things like helping pastors through existential crises. Nice. But what's it's interesting? All good work. It's it's all fun. Uh, but what's interesting is that you never know exactly how it's going to happen. But every time you bring those two people in together on a day, they always have some like really interesting things in common, and you can never predict what those things are going to be. Okay, so what'd you get this time? This time around, at least yesterday, the taping, you know what the people had in common? Like, it was the sign of peace. Now, this was Uh unexpected because I've never heard until yesterday of people uh, talking about the sign of peace as like a thing that really was the the thing that broke them down or or opened a door for them. Because to be honest, Anna Mitchell, we could probably pull 100 listeners right now and get 100 different opinions on the sign of peace. Mm-hmm. Well, of <laughs> uh, course. Yeah. Uh, and some churches don't even do it, right? Right. It's not a required part of the Mass. Uh, but one of our guests uh, was an evangelical kid, and his parents decided to put him and his daughter in a – or him and his sister in a Catholic school for a year. And – uh, all he remembered about the first time he went to Mass was the nuns saying to him like three or four times, like, whatever you do, just don't receive the Eucharist, right? And he, <laughs> he remembered that part. Um, but then as he was sitting there, he wasn't sure what was happening because he was from a very evangelical context. And he was like, this is for the Catholics. This is not for them. But then when it got to the sign of peace and people turned around and said, peace be with you, he's like, oh, this part's for me. Hmm. Like, this is the part that I can participate in. Oh, wow. Because the rest of the thing was like a mystery to him. Wow. So that's one story. But the and it stuck with him, right? And he didn't come into the church until, you know, he was almost 40 years old. But that that memory stuck with him. The sign of the sign of peace. Uh and, and you know, he kind of always he knew that there was something different. Well, I was going to say like a uh, sort of a a jump toward unity. I guess the complete unity would be in receiving communion, like complete right. full communion. But the sign of peace, a seed a sign, was planted there. A sign that you are in imperfect communion, right? In a way, and uh, and we we, as Jesus says, you know, make peace with your brother before you approach the altar, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, but the other one was uh, a former Wiccan, and I really am excited to share this story. It'll she, her story will come out on Divine Mercy Sunday, uh, or Divine oh, Mercy cool. Monday. Cool. And she was talking about how growing up Wiccan, her family just relentlessly mocked Christians, mocked Jesus. Uh, you know, in addition to their, you know, Wiccan practices, they were also very, very hostile to believers. And so uh, she got in and out of Wicca and, you know, 
after high school was not practicing it as intently and uh she started when she met her husband they started talking and they asked each other like what religions they were and she said wiccan and he didn't really react and and he said catholic and she like you know recoiled in horror somewhat uh yeah. but well, uh, eventually he invited her to come to mass and she was like not not super excited about this at all mm-hmm. but uh, she went to Mass, uh, was uh, very uncomfortable through the whole time, and then she hears the deacon say, let us offer to one another a sign of Christ's peace. And her boyfriend turns to her and says, peace be with you, and then turns around and hugs or, uh, his mom and, and then you know says peace to a couple of the people. Well, she turns back around and sees a bunch of people all extending hands to her saying, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. And she just like broke because she's like, I've been mocking you my whole life. Mm. I've been mocking your God my whole life. Why would you offer me peace? Wow. And yes, so she felt ashamed. She felt loved. All these things in the same moment. Uh, and it was the, the door that opened for her to, to take this seriously and, and move forward. Now, I say all that to say there may still be a hundred different opinions out there on the sign of peace. But I would just encourage people. That when you are giving the sign of peace at your parish, you don't treat it like the seventh inning stretch. You don't treat it as like an intermission. It's not a, hey, Bob, how's it going? Back slapping. What do you think the Bengals are going to do against the, you know, 4-3 defense? Like, none of that stuff. Think to yourself, what if the person I'm saying peace to is new here and this is the first thing that they can relate to? Wow. What if... I just want to put that out there just in case. That's because you never know. Really convicting. Actually. You think any of those people no. who uh, offered the, the, the peace of Christ to this Wiccan girl knew that she was a Wiccan who had been mocking Christianity for decades? They didn't know. She's probably never met them again to tell them thank you. Well, <laughs> right? I mean, probably the, the first person who did, you said it was her boyfriend. Right. Well, he, he knows now. He knew. He knows. And still extended that hand of peace. Yeah. I mean, that's what we as Christians are called to do, are we not? Yeah. To extend the hand of peace, to to pray for our enemies, uh, yeah. known and unknown enemies, um, to pray for their conversion, to pray that, uh, that they feel the love of God. Yeah. And, now, I didn't plan this, by the way, when uh, I booked this interview. I didn't know how it was going to line up, but I mentioned that her episode is going to air on the Monday after Divine Mercy Sunday. And you know what the gospel reading is for Divine Mercy Sunday? Thomas. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, what? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Yeah. Wow. It's always cool. God's always got like way more planning in this thing than I do. I can tell you that right now. It's what happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to Uh uh, come into your work. You find these fun little coincidences that aren't really coincidences when you believe that God has a hand in the work. Indeed. Well, hard to believe we're out of time here on a Thursday, but hopefully that little nugget and with you as well, Anna Mitchell. Thank you. And peace be with all of you. As a matter of fact, that's how we sign off all the time here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Until tomorrow, I'm Matt Swain, Anna Mitchell, Paul Lockman, and Travis all say hello. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.
Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus, Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. This is Cardinal Raymond Burke. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Sacred Heart Radio.